What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special Breeders' Cup edition of Blinkers Off Live. And we are here live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Curtis Kellerward, pleased to host again. And Aaron and Jared are live in Lexington and special guest as well in Beverly Glen, Mr. Ryan Stillman. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Magic. Uh, I, I think you and I have the same shirt on, maybe. So that's cool. But Samich and I did it yesterday for the first time wearing the same gray shirt. And I was like, I can't wear the gray shirt because I just did this yesterday anyways. I thought black would be fine. But no, nope, yeah. you guys, you still beat me to it. No, yeah, I, you know, that's that. I, you and Samich looked really cute last, uh, what was that? That was yesterday. Yeah, we were was watching. Uh, watch, we almost had a wreck. We were watching and driving and just, you know, <laughs> we couldn't miss a show. So we had to just keep going. But yeah, uh, I'm glad to, glad to see that we carried it on, Magic. That's great. <laughs> Jared, I don't know what your problem is, but you know, you, you got the the pocket square shirt going on right there. Yeah, I uh, I'm uh, you know I'm not cool enough to wear the polos. Uh, is I say that for the uh, for the actual event tomorrow and the next day. So I when I have a chance to dress down, I'm going to. So you just got to make sure you save the red one for Saturday. Like Tiger always saved his red polo for Sunday when he was coming home. You got to bring it home on Saturday with the red shirt. Make sure you save it for that one. Yeah, I didn't bring a red shirt. Sorry, Magic. Well, so, uh, <laughs> I'm wearing red shirts. So I'm Jared, Sunday. I've got Jared's going to lose. So. Jared's, Jared's picks are going to lose on Saturday, so don't play Jared's picks on Saturday because he didn't bring the red polo. Ryan, good to have you on the show, buddy. How you doing? Awesome to be back. I cannot believe the dudes are on site for the rest of us. You guys are the voice of the people, I feel like. Here. You're going to tell us what the track's like live. This is exciting, right? How's it feel on site? Like, is there... All the media even there? Are you guys the first people even in the hotel? Uh, yeah, there's not. Yeah, yeah there's really not uh, a lot of uh, a lot of action going on here in Lexington. So uh, for yeah. for the racing, so yeah, it's it's gonna be really weird at the track tomorrow and Saturday, being the only you know one of the only people there. Period. You know, being on the rail of a six million dollar classic and and no crowd noise, no nothing. So yeah, it's gonna be odd for sure. Um, but I tell you what, the biggest bummer of it is just the fact that we're having to do this in different locations. Like, the, yeah. the, usually we're heading to the Breeders' Cup, and it's like, ah, oh, I can't wait to see Ryan and Magic. And we're gonna all get together, slim, uh, and it's like no one's there. So it's just I'm stuck with this that bastard. So <laughs> I I just realized this is the first time in four years I'm not sharing a room or a loft with Ryan at the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> I know, and you are a fantastic roommate. But let me ask you this. Do you guys get the continental breakfast that we would be able to get, or did they? <laughs> they put a big uh, hard no on the breakfast. I feel the, like the one thing I won't miss uh, uh, in, the, in the COVID days are the shitty meals that they, they provide at these tracks for the media. 
It's I, I have to get it for magic when I'm his roommate because he's like the he's working all night. He's like the hungover guy. I wake up, I'm like, here's your 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 crummy bagel without like here's some peanut butter for it. The bagel. <laughs> yeah. Ryan definitely saved me every morning because yeah, I was I was battling the the Breeders' Cup flu that a lot of the media tend to get <laughs> when you were you know sleeping four hours a night and you know spending every rainy cold morning at the track. So Ryan was a great roommate for that. But Aaron and Jared, you guys are stuck on your own out there. What's the atmosphere like in Lexington right now? Do you feel kind of some sort of excitement because it's the Breeders' Cup, even though the fans aren't there? Um, I would say no, as far as in, unless, I mean, if you get right into where the event's going to be, obviously there's some buzz, but uh, around the city, I can remember back in 2015, Lexington was about to explode because, you know, not only was it a big, you know, the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland and it was amazing. Everybody's excited. You had American Pharaoh coming in here to try to, you know, uh, you know, finish off the Grand Slam, so to speak. Um, so it was it was just wild. It was buzzing. Like we couldn't stay within 45 minutes of Lexington or of uh, Keeneland uh, unless you wanted to pay $400 a night for a hotel. And now we're sitting here about three miles from Keeneland paying 89 bucks a night. So it's really quite amazing and, and we're not staying in the dump either it's a nice hotel <laughs> just want to be clear because we used to stay in some yeah. bad places but yeah the buzz isn't here but you know what it's, it, it is it's 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 what we had to deal with right we're still having a breeders cup that's the positive but yeah i mean and especially when you come to a place like keeneland and lexington this is this is horse racing country and yeah it's you know there's nobody here well, it's a shame, but uh, we're glad that you guys are there. You can give us some some on-site previews and some insight. And then over the course of the weekend, of course, you guys being there live is going to be really helpful as well to the fans. We want to give everybody winners, and we've got a couple of days left before the Breeders' Cup. So if you guys are ready, we can just dive right into this show. Are you ready for it? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Let's take a look at the juvenile turf. The, the hardest races I thought to handicap because... You're dealing with a lot of overseas horses coming in. The American horses, they're juveniles, so you've only seen them a couple of times. Uh, overdrawn field here, usually speed wins this race. The two years that we've had it, speed wins. Usually a shorter price gets it done. Everybody's talking about Golden Pal. Uh, consensus in the guys seems to be the Golden Pal is at least the on-top pick winner here. Is there anyone you're worried about other than Golden Pal, or do you think, just kind of like we did with Bulletin a little bit, with four-wheel drive last year, do you think Golden Pal is just that much better? Yeah, I guess I'll start. I'm extremely confident in Golden Pal in the spot. And uh, you, you kind of said it best. Speed has been really good here uh, in this race the last two years. In general, in turf sprints, you, you know, you're going to want to be forwardly placed. He can obviously do that uh, in, a, in a turf sprint. The 14 hole is really not that bad of a position. So, you know, I think some people uh, that want to beat this horse, that's kind of something that they're going to say. But he really shouldn't have that much of a problem. Um, for me, it wasn't so much a speed figure standout, but a class standout. You know, just he just looks way classier than the rest of this field. I think there's some decent runners in here. You know, you asked the question, am I worried about somebody else beating Golden Pal here? Not really. I, I think if he gets beat, it's probably going to be a longer price and something we went, wow, I, I don't know if I could have seen that coming. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really not overly worried. I think Golden Pal is going to get the job done here. Jared, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think he's, you mentioned it, the guide's one of the few consensus picks, uh, overall consensus picks uh, on the guide. And I really, this is one of the two really that I feel the most confident, definitely the most confident uh, uh, horse I feel uh, on on Friday. 
um, and that's including Jackie's Warrior. Um, you know, because I just, you know, like you say, speed wins. This the trends of this of this race coincide with what this horse can do. Um, and, you know, it's, it's Wesley Ward, and this horse is just. I mean, it, it's kind of got the best of both worlds. He about went to Ascot and win, you know, and won. Yeah. Um, and then comes over here and just absolutely romps, and he's just. He's kind of got the best of both worlds in my mind, where you have that international flavor, but he's also kind of an American-based horse, and it came over and, and was awesome at Saratoga. So, I, I, to me, it's more about if he gets beat, it's not a factor of if he ran his race and he got beat. It's it, so it's hard to kind of handicap a race and and plan on something going you know going wrong. So I'm just I, I think you're rolling with Golden Pal here. I think there's a few underneath that that's it. If you want to get creative, I think there's plenty of prices underneath that this thing could blow up and try, so to speak. But for on top, Golden Palace seems like a lock. Well, then that's the leads right in my next question is, you know, we try to find some value, at least when you've got an eight to five favorite like Golden Palace is going to take a lot of money. What underneath horses or even price horses do you think could surprise in this race? You know, uh, European horses and, and turf sprints, you don't ever really want to play. But that angle is so been so overhyped now that now they're blowing up in their big prices and so all of a sudden it's like wow if you're if they're if you're getting 20 to 1 instead of 6 to 1 on some of these overseas horses that are sprinting that's actually a pretty you know that's actually a pretty good uh, uh play especially if you're looking for an underneath bomb uh so i i'm looking towards a couple of uh longer shots with underneath horses uh coming over from europe europe uh, to maybe you know get into the into the try into the super even and and make that thing pay. But overall, I, I'm not going to get crazy with this race as far as a betting strategy. I think it's pretty simple. I think you just play Golden Pal to win. Jared, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, if I'm playing some horses underneath, I mean, I kind of like the Keeneland and, and Kentucky Downs angle a little bit as far as horses coming out of those races. So. You know, Bodenheimer and that Indian summer race was uh, one that I've kind of keyed on as far as I thought was pretty impressive. And that's why I like some of those horses uh, underneath. And if he, you know, if, you know, I like Bodenheimer quite a bit here if, if for whatever reason, uh, something happens to, to Golden Pal. But it's one of the few races on the on the two days, frankly, where it's like, OK, I have a strong opinion on that horse, play him to win and just move on to the next race. Because I feel like it, the most frustrating thing you can do, I feel like, in instances like this is where you can be all about golden pal you can be all about golden pal for weeks and you go to the race and you try to play some crazy try and you miss it and you get out of the race and you got zero dollars to speak for it but golden pal won the race yeah and it's a strong opinion and you're yeah. like i got nothing out of that race but i was right i was dead on that horse is awesome so that's like one of our strongest opinions here is golden pal so i say play it to win i got a question uh, for you guys actually yeah. about that uh so he drew the 14 post, and I know how high everyone that I respect is on this horse. But if you were trying to beat him from the 14 post, it like can you tell the people why they shouldn't be, I guess? Do you know what I mean? There's probably a lot of people that are like, well, that's a reason to take a stab at him. Why are you so confident he can do it from the 14? I mean, that is that something to be concerned about for somebody? Yeah, no, I'm very confident because uh, you think now – let's say he didn't have a lot of early turn of foot and he was going to be kind of in a position on the, on the turn where he's outside of horses because he didn't clear the first pack and he's, he's five, six wide. That could be a problem. Um, but with him, he's got a lot of speed. It's, it, you know, he's got time before they make that turn to kind of get over and position himself. If they think that 
uh, he needs to be, you know, over closer to the rail. I don't know. Irad Ortiz Jr. might just ride him out in the middle of the track. He might just be that good. But the, the, from the 14 hole, if you've got that early speed, there's really just not a whole lot to worry about in a sprint. And you're drawn outside of all the other speed horses in the race, which is that's a huge factor. So, you know, you're not going to get caught on the inside and horses pressing you on the rail. You know, he can just basically place his horse wherever he wants. Sure, he might lose a little bit of ground uh, being wide on that turn, but it's not going to be, uh, you know, enough to really, you know, make him have any kind of struggles at all. He's out in the middle of the track. There's nobody that's really going to seemingly bother him. A couple, uh, a couple of people in the chat, including your boy Kelby Von Hemel, saying Dirty Dangle, super impressive last out. This is a horse who was privately purchased by Gary Barber and sent to Mark Cassie for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, had two really nice wins at Woodbine, Aaron. I know that you were able to see those. Yeah. Uh, the, the barn change in that private sale going into the Breeders' Cup, when you see an owner who's as sharp as Gary Barber with a trainer like Mark Cassie doing that, does that give you a, a little pause and make you go, hey, Dirty Dangle, 20 to 1, she's got, she's got some pretty good upside. Yeah, Kelly is really good as point, pointing that out. Very impressive last time out. I, I think this is a little too much too soon for this horse. Um, I, I'm not sure she can compete uh, with this kind of caliber, but I'm not sure many can compete with Golden Pals. So if you're talking about an underneath play, Dirty Dangle sitting there at 20 to 1, I, I mean, I'm not going to talk you off that horse to play underneath. I, I wouldn't sit here and advise you to play that horse to win, but I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think, she's just as logical as a lot of these when it comes to who's going to finish, you know, second, third, and fourth. Jared, you feel the same way? Yeah. I awesome name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I, whatever. I think underneath you can get creative and play a bunch of different ways. So I, I mean, I'm not going to talk you out of any of these underneath, but trying to pick the source to win, um, especially when we're sitting here arguing about if, if you debate on if the 14 hole is too much for golden pal, and you're going to tell me that the 12 hole makes all the world different for, for her. I mean, Give me a break. So I, yeah. underneath maybe comes running late uh, to pick up a piece of it, but on top, no. Cool. Well, let's move on to the juvenile turf. This is a, a race where, you again, you see a lot of European horses that are going to come over and interfere. And w we talked a lot in the, the draw reaction show, your, your favorites horses here, who you liked, who you didn't like. If I'm a fan who, you know, I work 40 hours a week. I, I don't have, I've got a family at home. I don't have a whole lot of time to watch the European races. Is there one or two key races that you guys found when you were handicapping this race that the average fan who doesn't have as much time as we might should go back and, and this is the race or this is the horse that you need to really look at to understand how this race is going to play out? For, for this race specifically, no, but I will talk about that later on when we talk about European horses magic. And I think you and I probably know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> we'll yeah. save it for later in the show. For this race specifically, I didn't see that one or two key race where, that just wowed me. But what I did see was a lot of pretty solid performances uh, by those horses overseas. Uh, Seal Away, Battleground, Cadillac, all to me stood out as horses that looked pretty good in the replays I watched. Go Athletico looked good. Uh, New Mandate looked good. So there, there is a deep, like a deep field of Euros here. I think, you know, in the past, and we talked about this a lot, uh, the weeks leading up to this, the Euros have won this race. But it's usually, at least in my opinion, it's like one or two really good ones that come over here and win. Here, it's a really deep five or six that there maybe maybe there's not one superstar here, but there's five or six that are really good. So that that was kind of my takeaway when watching uh, the replays for this one. 
Jared, uh, I'll, I'll ask you this question now, but then we can talk about it again with multiple races. Trainer Aiden O'Brien, that's a name that we all know as, as more or less the Bob Baffert of the European horses uh, that, that come over here. He hasn't won a Breeders' Cup race since 2017. He won this race with Mendelssohn that year. Uh, that was, you know, he won again in 2016, 2015. He had plenty of experience. Is this the year that we see Aiden O'Brien break that three-year lose streak at the Breeders' Cup? Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, he did win that race. He's actually won this race four different times. Um, you know, so this is a race that you can kind of feel confident as far as if he's got one in the race, the horse is live. Um, he, you know, he's not bringing a horse like Battleground over here to just to just check out Keelan. You know, I mean, this is a, this is a very good horse, winner of the last two. He hasn't ran since July, so that's kind of your pause. I think there was a, a work or a race this horse was planned to run in September that had, you know that's missed. So I mean, that's kind of I guess you're a concern. Maybe why you're getting six to one on a horse that um, has looked pretty damn impressive at two starts. But I'm kind of with Halterman here. I like Battleground, but I also like a bunch in here. I mean that you know in, in the way we play in the wagering guide uh, that you can get at RacingDudes.com. Halterman and I team up on on a bankroll. Uh, article kind of how we're playing every race and this is one of those that we got a little bit a little bit creative with as far <laughs> as using these euros pressing our opinions of these euros at prices and uh, and just hoping we get lucky because you i mean i'm not going to sit here and, and i definitely don't feel the same way about battleground that do golden pal and for that reason i'm going to get creative on a lot of my exotic tickets and hope that i do think i i like out of door a little bit um for wesley ward but i feel like the euros kind of have this race in this in this particular year kind of cornered i mean i really like a lot of them in here ryan uh, i want to ask you as someone who you don't follow horse racing as closely as, as the rest of us do so when you get to a, an event like the breeders cup are are who are you kind of leaning on or, or what things do you look at as a handicapper to try and figure out how you want to play these races i always look at the euros when it comes to turf even if i shouldn't because i just think vastly superior to our horses it's been proven time and time again the europeans just are that's what they breed for right uh in this particular race the battleground horse is so interesting that you brought that up jared uh i heard you particularly bring up that horse i mean the dam is a breeders cup turf winner o'brien's won four breeders cup juvenile turfs and like you said it's you know he doesn't come out here to lose you know and it's just I don't even know. It's funny. You were talking about that Baffert comparison. He might be even better than Bob Baffert. And that's not a knock on Baffert. O'Brien over there is like the king. He's just amazing. So, you know, it's just hard. I guess it's like hard because I really like Gretzky the Great. I think he's a really nice horse. Hmm. I don't know what, you know, it's just kind of a shame. It's sort of like liking me going up against Muhammad Ali in a fight. It's just a really, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to he could still do it. But that's how, when you ask me how I view it to bring this full circle, that's what's tough, right? Is like, we just... The Euros are so great that if you like an American, I find it so hard when it comes to this because it's like I've been there where you really like an American horse and you bet it. And you're like, what was I thinking afterwards when like the Euros just take the superfecta? So that's Dude, how, how cool is, by the way, you're a breeding guy. I mean, I used to mention the breeding a little bit, you know, a war front uh, out of uh, found. <laughs> I mean, this that, you talk about breeding uh, for battleground. This horse is bred uh, for, for this, really, yeah. you know, and, and incredible. And, and to be, I mean, this horse is a two-year-old. And so, I mean, this horse has a lot of upside for sure. Well, and, and found is the one, the Breeders' Cup turf in 2015 when it was at Keeneland. So if any horse is going to be bred to enjoy Keeneland, you would think it's probably going to be battleground in this spot. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm glad I got your uh, your input on this. Let's take a look now at the Juvenile Phillies race. This is, you know, only seven Phillies are going to, you know, make it in the gate right now. Hopefully we don't lose anybody else. 
it, it's pretty much coming down to do you believe princess nor is better than the low buyer speed figures that she's been getting or do you think that that's a sign that she just hasn't been facing much in a test against a horse like Simply Ravishing or Day Out of the Office or even Vquist or Girl Daddy that are all proven winners? Where do you stand on the Princess Nora argument here, gentlemen? Oh, man, this, this is tough, right? Well, it's hard to sit here and look at her past performances and say she won by two and a half. She won by six and a half. She won by eight and a quarter. Oh, I'm going to play against her. Like, she's not been touched. And, and, like you mentioned, it's a matter of like, do you use the buyers against her or do you sit there and say, well, she's never been asked. So how can you even put any stock into the buyers? Because yeah, there's no way to know what those, you know, and John White's always been real adamant about adding the plus signs, you know, if, if a horse has not been asked, add the 78 plus, plus, plus for her, you know, because she just wasn't even asked in those races. So yeah, I don't know. I, you know, and then to, to add to the, the difficulty of this is you got a few other fillies in here that are quite nice, I feel like. And so, you know, I feel like, I think you have an opportunity to say that, like, I, I mentioned this all the time with the Breeders' Cup races. It's like sometimes you just have to find an angle and just say, you know what, that's what I'm going to lean on. And I'm going to say, I'm going to use those buyers against her. I'm going to say that she's a little, you know, that they're a little, she's a little phony until proven otherwise. I'm going to use her defensively, but I'm going to try to beat her. Horses like Vquist, Day Out of the Office, Girl Daddy, my biggest concern coming into this race is that they've all been one-turn horses. They're you know, one-turn miles at Belmont and Churchill. So when you come to a race like this, which is going to be two turns a mile on the 16th, do you give extra credence to a horse like Simply Ravishing or even Princess Nor, who are accomplished winners at two turns versus Vquist, where you know she's bred to like two turns, her Sire Nyquist won the juvenile when it was held at this track. Uh, she's out of a mind shift mare. So she should theoretically handle the distance, but you don't know until you try. So with horses specifically like Vquist and Day Out of the Office, are you guys concerned at all about them trying two turns in this specific spot? Not necessarily. No, if it was a mile and an eighth, I think it makes a bigger difference. But a mile and 16th, you know, most people or most horses, if they get a mile, they can get a mile and 16th. Now, as we, they get a little older and we get a little more form, we realize, well, maybe it's a one-turn race they like versus a two-turn race. Those are tough assumptions to make when you've never seen, you don't have any data and you've never seen anything. And I think you pointed it out, uh, you know, very clearly. You look at the pedigree of like a horse like Vaquist, how can you say that that horse isn't going to get a mile and 16th, you know? Now, she runs here, she doesn't run well, she does it again, doesn't run well. Well, then maybe we can start to formulate that. But you're really just guessing at this point. Um, but listen, I think that, I think the key is you do in this spot have two, I think, Simply Ravishing and Princess Noor. They are proven, not only are they proven at the distance, I just think they kind of look better than everybody else as we start out. So that kind of helps sway to those two horses, but that really wasn't like the determining factor for me. Let me ask you guys a controversial question because Bob Baffert's like, if people don't follow racing year in and year out. Oh, I'm but, ready for this. Yes. Yeah. It's not Bob Baffert. <laughs> I, I, I guess right, clearly, <laughs> clearly there's been a lot of controversy with Bob Baffert with no uh, drug infractions or. Really? You want. <laughs> is, is this the kind of thing where you just fade him the whole, if you're a person that's going to fade him the entire card, but you mm -hmm. might play him one time. Is this the horse you play? Is this the horse you... I, I know it's a kind of an odd question, maybe, but is that something you have to ask yourself and has to be addressed here? Well, I think, you know, with tough luck, Bob, uh, 
you just have to take it for face value of what it is. I'm not I'm not going to be one of these guys and saying I'm fading all of them or I'm playing all of them. I'm just going to take them. And I think Magic kind of talked about that in the pre-entry show. We're just, let's just take it for face value. You know, we have no idea what Tough Luck Bob's been doing to these horses one way or the other. So, you know, but maybe we watch Princess Noor and she runs horrible and we go, oh, uh-oh, you know, because she shouldn't run horrible in this spot. Right, right. And there, or, or then maybe she runs and she wins by eight, which I don't think she should win by eight either. She could win, but not by eight. And we go, oh, okay. So yeah, maybe, exactly. Maybe maybe the best answer, Ryan, is Tough Luck Bob might give us a little indication one way or the other. And maybe she's a good barometer horse where it's like, it's iffy she can win, yeah. but she can win. So I will say this, I, I'm not going to, like, I'm not that, I'm not going to be that naive to be like, well, if, you know, allegedly was doing anything, uh, then all of a sudden it's going to stop, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, so I'm, I'm going, if, if he's been winning with these horses, I'm going to assume, like you say, yeah. take them at face value that it is what it is in this case, playing against her here. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. is nothing to do with the fact that it's tough luck, Bob. Um, I'm just I simply like simply ravishing uh, that <laughs> well that much more. Yeah, that was accidental too. <laughs> um, but it'll be funny to see because I you know simply ravishing uh, drawing the one hole in the Alcibiades. You know uh, at Keeneland, by the way, the same distance. You know went gate to wire. You got to feel like she's going to go uh, and, and give you know and Louis size is going to take it. So it's like with Princess Noor, it's going to be interesting. She's finally up against. A big time horse here can she hang with her you know and and that's going to show a lot and i think you like you said uh, we're going to hit the top of the stretch and you might have an idea of okay is, is she or not yeah so uh the one last question i want to ask you and just give me yes or no on this one yes or no is this bob baffert's most likely winner of the entire weekend Ooh, mm, that's a tough one the uh, reason I, the reason why you think about it, the reason i ask is because in 2018 at churchill downs game winner won the juvenile and we found out afterwards from a friend that this was bob baffert was the most confident game winner and then on saturday he threw up a giant goose egg so that's what makes me wonder is this his most likely winner and then maybe we take a little easier on him on saturday no i i think it becomes i know it's a yes or no question but i think it comes down to her or the classic i think she's a more likely winner than Gamine or uh, classier. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say yes. Okay. I'm say yes. That but tough luck to Bob's uh, most likely winner is Princess Noor. I, I think, even though I'm playing against her, I think it's that makes sense. Um, just because it's a it's a smaller field, mm-hmm. much less tough uh, field than you're gonna look at in the classic with improbable. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think with Gamine and and, and classier that those are two that I would be a little surprised to be honest, especially classier if they even won. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, Prince Noor makes sense here uh, that, you know, the horse hasn't lost. So it's hard to say that, I mean, it's gotta be one of the, the you know, what's like, what was he like, or what was she like a one over a million dollar purchase? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of, there's a lot of hype behind this horse. So you got to think she's a similar game winner type of horse as far as coming into this race with a lot of expectations. Let yeah, me ask what, you one thing what, about this too. I'm sorry, magic. I just, if you were going to play this race, particularly, if she doesn't win, do you see her hitting the board? Is it going to be a thing where it's like, wow, she just sucks, sucks, sucks? I don't know how to explain that any better. Like, if she doesn't, if she's not what you think she is, what is she possibly? I guess is the question. Yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's an all or nothing type. Um, 
I, I now uh, two months ago, yes, I probably would have said, well, if she doesn't win, something really went wrong. But as we really progressed towards this race, there was a lot of good horses that started to pop up. You know, we haven't even hardly talked about Day Out of the Office, who looks really damn good and looked amazing last time. So there's a lot of good horses here. I went deep in this race. Um, so no, I, I don't think it's an all or nothing. I I do think it's a question of how good she is. We're we're not sure. We're gonna find out. That's just it. You mentioned Day at the Day of the Office, and if you want to if you want to use Princess Newer's buyers against her, well, you gotta use Day at the Office buyer <laughs> for her. I mean, yeah. comes in with a career or the the high buyer of the field, the ninety five was just unbelievably good in the Frisette, uh last time out, beating Bakewist. So I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you if you want to use that the buyer angle against they, you know out of the Baffert, you got to use it for her here. So I think she's one that we're not really talking about uh, as far as coming at uh, uh, simply ravishing that she might be the one. And you're like, oh shit, that's the one that I you know that I'm worried about, not the Baffert. Right. Move on. Take a look at the juvenile fillies turf. This is another tough one because of all the uh, horses coming over from Europe here and. This is a race where you pretty much want to go Chad Brown or Euros, right? So uh, plenty of horses to choose from in here. I know Wesley Ward's got some on the stretch out. I'm actually against the Wesley Ward horses here because I think they all should have been in the juvenile turf sprint. But I understand with Golden Pal being there, well, maybe you don't. Maybe you want to give them a chance to try and win an actual race. Uh, Aunt Pearl's a three to one favorite. I know you guys love her. Take it away. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I, I didn't go with Chad Brown or a Euro here. I, you know, Chad doesn't really have anything. And then the Euros, uh, I think they're good. I think they've got a, a, a good shot. But I, I really liked, as the closer we went and the more we went, Plum Alley and Ann Pearl. Those are, you know, those are the two I like. And I couldn't get away from them. I ended up going with uh, Plum Ali on top. Uh, but it was a tough decision because I really like Ann Pearl as well. I think the determining factor... Um, the time form numbers for Plum Ali was the only real separator that you can find between her and Aunt Pearl. The, it, buyers were very similar. Class was very similar. You know, Pat, you look at the past performance, Sally One was similar. That time form number was just a little, little larger. And when you're looking for anything to separate two horses you like, it, you know, you got to go down your list of factors. And that was what, what came for, for me. You know, I... I love Campanelli here. I do too. I mean, I, I think I'm the only one to pick her on top of the guide, and I was pretty surprised by that. Uh, you know, three wins in three countries. Uh, <laughs> you know, Wesley Ward, Detour- you know, Frankie rode this horse the last two times, and he's back to ride her here. Um, you know, stretching out longer than she has, but you watch those races, uh, and especially that last one um, in Duville, the, the, you know, in France, that was, she was not, I mean, this just not tested whatsoever. So, yeah. I mean, I think she, it was just as one of those. You've got the Wesley Ward angle, Stone Street owned, um, uh, Detori, you know, sticking, you know, staying put with her when I'm sure he's got options. So, yeah, I mean, I think she's super tough in here uh, as far as the, the Euro side goes. But I mean, I like a bunch. You know, if you if you if you are listening to this and you already have the guide, you know how crazy Halter and I got on this race uh, in particular as far as the ticket constructions go because it was just. It's one of those that we're like we we both like horses at, at decent prices um, and, and feel like it's one of those underneath that can get nutty. So we went pretty deep here as far as how we played this. Yeah. So a couple things uh, it, when you get a race like this where you like so many different ones, that's that is generally the strategy that we try to use. Uh, if we want to talk about betting strategy for a minute, just play a lot of different combinations and exotics. And I'm talking about race by race plays here. Play a lot of different combinations and exotics. 
and 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 quite frankly, hope to get a little lucky and hope and hope that you know a couple of them come in and they're really going to pay. Because the other thing is, with such an even field, the prices are unbelievable. No matter what you're going to get here, so uh, yeah. And with Campanelli, the second thing I want to point out or or just mention or maybe just ask you about, and this is why I didn't put her on top. And Magic kind of alluded to one turn race, like going to a mile to a mile and sixteenth, six furlongs to a mile here it worries me oh just a bit yeah i mean a couple of things that yeah i get it um stretching out the the things that kind of gave me some uh at least confidence with her is just the fact that detori rode her the last two times and if if he had any indication like this horse is not going to be able to to do any you know to go further i feel like he I mean, it's a Breeders' Cup race. He would probably have an option to run to ride somewhere else, mm-hmm. and he stays put, you know. And, and I think if you watch that back at that race, um, she, you know, she was not really doing much with her at the end of that race, no. you know. So I feel like if you know, and Wesley Ward, I mean, obviously he, he's going to run her in the spot that makes sense, and and I just feel like with her speed, uh, she's going to be able to, to to go a mile with no without any issue. But with that said. There are plenty of good milers in here uh, that could probably, you know, compete with her more so than what she, we've seen in the past, just because maybe she's a little bit better going shorter. So that's why I like her. I'm playing a lot of different options, though. Yeah, my big concern with Campanelle and, and, and with Royal Approval just to her outside is Wesley Ward isn't a, ho- a trainer that I necessarily think can go sprint to route with a lot of success. I know he's he's actually successful with the routing, but it tends to be when he's got sprinters, they stay sprinting. That's what they do, especially with his two-year-olds. And when they go routing, you know, that's what he sticks with them and then they do that. But this is her first time and you never know until you give it a shot. So uh, I think definitely, though, I, I, there's a total agreement here. You need to spread. And if you like price horses, don't be don't be scared to use them. Let's look at a race where you might not necessarily get a price horse on top. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile race here. Jackie's Warrior, your big seven to five favorite. Aaron, I know you're all over this horse. And the big question I have for you is, uh, do you have any concern whatsoever with this being his first try around two turns? Or do you think just the way that he's been winning and running, it, it doesn't matter? Yeah, it's funny. This has kind of become a theme. This will be the third race where we brought that up. And and I'll say the same thing. Uh, you know, no, I don't. Uh, I, I the way he's been winning those races are pretty impressive, but obviously it's enough of a question mark, especially with a two-year-old. They, I, I'm not going to single, you know? So I singled on the golden pal. I'm saying that's a single. He's not doing anything different than he has been doing. Right. This is a little bit of a different thing. And then you've got essential quality. Who's one at this distance and at this track. So that's enough to say, okay, I may need to use a, him as well here. Uh, and I get why a lot of people are on essential quality and not going to be shocked if essential quality wins this race. But what I will say is when it comes to overall talent level, I think Jackie's warrior has shown so far to be the best horse. And I think the speed figures, no matter what you look at, do agree with what I'm saying. So, you know, if, if that talent level is carried to a mile and 16th, I don't think essential quality can win the race. I I think he can win the race. Essential quality. I if mean, Jackie's Warrior shows that. Oh well, if, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah if, if I, yeah, I think you look at. There's a lot. We talked a little bit about this uh, before the pre or during the pre or during the entries uh, and before the show. And it's like you, you know, I understand Magic Essential Quality. You picked. You're the only one, in fact, that that went against Jackie. So good luck. Um, but you know, I get, because if you, that's, she's, or he's a very nice horse. If you've been on the horse, 
-hmm. why would you get jump off that horse at this point? Um, so I understand why you're doing it. Uh, it's just, if you, what, what I've seen so far from Jackie's warrior versus essential quality, while essential quality has been very impressive, it just feels like a little bit lower, uh, level as far as what Jackie, I mean, Jackie's warrior has just been unbelievable. The last two, if you believe in buyers, there's no way you can pick essential quality. I will just say that right there because reinvestment risk who has been blasted by Jackie's warrior has higher buyers than essential quality. Yeah. And, but that, that doesn't always mean everything, you know, notice I didn't sit here and say, I think reinvestment risk can win this race. I did say essential quality is the other horse to play. So I'm projecting a little bit of improvement, but it, when it's that, it is a huge gap there and you can't go away from looking at that. There is a huge speed figure gap between Jackie's warrior and essential quality. What's the, oh, well, uh, what are you guys th thinking on, on the, ba the Baffert horse class here? Cause that was one that I feel like you, I mean, you got to take tough luck. Bob puts a horse in this race, mm -hmm. uh, a horse that's only ran once and made in special weight. And you got to think, wow, really? Like that, that's a lot of, you know, he's got plenty of options of this work, these horses as they get older. So why they, you know, taking a shot here from the quotes I read and magic, I'll take it to you after I, it sounded more like ownership wanted to run here versus Bob Baffert, but you tell me. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I got. I mean, Sal Cuman is part of it, so you know he loves having a horse in every single race at the Breeders' Cup. Uh, so that was probably part of it. Listen, they spent a lot of money. They spent three, uh, $775,000 on this horse, more than three-quarters of a million. Um, the way that he won and the way that he ran that race, there was plenty left. It it reminded me a little bit of Princess Nora's maiden win when Victor didn't have to move. Abel Cedillo worked a little harder, uh, meaning that he actually moved on class year, but he wrapped him up pretty easily. He knew he was saving a lot, and th the way that he finished the race almost made me wonder if, if Bob had said, if he does well enough here, if we think he's going to win, let's try and save something for his next start. Um, I, I, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise. Uh, you, we talk about it a lot in the Magic Mike show, and you guys talk about it too. Uh, progression from a first start to a second start as a two-year-old, you could see a lot. So Aaron brought up the buyer speed figure discrepancy, and class year gets a 78 for that debut. But Jackie's Warrior had an 81 on debut, then went to an 88 in his second start. An 88 is what Essential Quality earned in his second start, which was the Breeders' Futurity. So you have plenty of horses that can continue to, to grow and expand here. Um, as far as class year goes, I think it's also that they probably looked at this and said, there aren't a lot of world beaters. There isn't. You don't have a Bolt Doro that you're going to be scared of. There's no Dennis the menace in here that's going to try and you know convince you to, to put all your money on him and he falls to his nose out of the ground so, or out of the gate so i think because this is a little lighter they might have looked and said we got to beat jackie's warrior and there's a chance they could try and beat him here um i do want to ask you one last question about jackie's warrior my concern is the distance here this is why i didn't put him on top um mclean's music not always known for having good distance horses and his dam won 19 times which is incredible she never did it in a two-turn race. She never tried routing. Um, she never tried stakes races. She was a lower-level claiming sprinter. So that just kind of goes back to my, just a little bit of worry here with with whether or not this horse can handle the distance. But sometimes you just look at you with your eyes at a horse and you go, I don't give two flying shits about <laughs> what this horse's pedigree says. I've seen this horse run, and it sounds like that's where you guys are going. Yeah, for me, I just looked at the last race, you know, stretched out to a mile. Yes, is one turn. Yes, it wasn't a mile 16th, but it's still a mile. You're still stretching out from from the six and the seven uh, that the horse had been running in. And he just he's pulling away with as the distances get longer. He's pulling away 
Uh, you know, I mean, he just buried reinvestment risk in both those races. In, in Magic, and maybe maybe this is a lot of it for me, and you know this, because we talked about reinvestment risk immediately after he broke his maiden at Saratoga. And I said, that horse kind of reminded me of Practical Joke a little bit, you know, how he broke his maiden at Saratoga. They, they looked similar. And then I, I, you know, I was fairly high on that horse. I, I picked Jackie's Warrior in the hopeful, but I was I thought reinvestment risk could pull off an upset. And it, it just wasn't even a race. And I think to me, it's just like, yeah, that's that's really something. Um, you know, I think I, I think he's got a shot to be something special. But again, I get it. And he's going to be a short price. And, and boy, essential quality sitting there and he looks like a very logical alternative. I get it. I'm not going to talk people off that horse. The one thing that makes this race scary if you're Jack's warrior is classier because not just not for thinking that horse can beat him, but that's a horse that's going to be some pace presence. No doubt. I mean, you feel like that horse is going to go with Jackie. And all of a sudden, he's going to eat classier. <laughs> we'll see. Clap, you seen class here? This horse, it looks unbelievable. What barn is that horse in? Of course he's got <laughs> You know, he does, <laughs> tough luck Bob. Tough you know, luck he, Bob's he, got him looking amazing. He doesn't really. Is he all hulked up right Yeah, now? Oh, yeah. He, he looks a real deal. Um, yeah, yeah no, so, you know, you, essential quality. I have essential quality, definitely playing essential quality and everything because I think that horse has looked awesome. And, of course, you have the Keeneland factor as well. Well, listen, there's a chance classier this time uh, next year. It might be the best three-year-old. Maybe maybe the source is developing and can't win today or can't win on Saturday or Friday. But then, you know, after this, after the fact, he really comes on. Well, we have almost 40 of you guys watching live. So thank you very much for joining us here. Uh, we're going to talk about the Philly and Mary Sprint next. But while I pull that up, if you can do us a real quick favor, just like or, or, or give a thumbs up to whoever you're viewing. It helps with the algorithm and it helps put our video into more people's eyes and, and more fan interaction. You guys have been great with your questions and your comments. So keep that going here. We'll uh, throw it up to the guys when we can. We'll take a look at Saturday's races now. The Breeders' Cup Philly and Mary Sprint is going to kick things off. And boy, this is a this is going to be an interesting one because on paper, lots of speed. And if you read the Jared's fourteen trends to know, you know speed does not hold to win this race. But I feel like you could make an uh, you could make a logical argument for at least one of these speed horses. Aaron, when you handicapped this race, what was the determining factor for your, who you put on top? Well, I hate this race immensely, and I can't wait for it to be over from a betting standpoint. But as far as watching a race, this might be one of the more exciting yeah. races in the entire Breeders' Cup. So I'm going to play a very low amount on this race and just sit back and enjoy it because it is going to be fascinating to watch because of what you, you mentioned. The pace scenario is going to make this race, and my guess is as good as anybody else's as far as what's going to happen. Certainly on paper, when you look at it and you take it just for what you see, it's an absolute meltdown, and it gives big prices a chance. So I'm definitely going to play it that way as in, hey, I've got a couple mixed in here. It's got a shot. But also, Serengeti Empress also has a shot to take the field wire to wire. I really, truly believe that. Uh, if Gamine's a little phony, if Gamine can't hang with Serengeti Empress early, I don't think anybody else will. And I think all of a sudden she's going to be out, and she's going to be fairly comfortable on the lead. So... But again, my guess is as good as anybody's on what Gamine is and how that's going to play out. And when you have a factor like that in a race, my best opinion or my best advice, I guess I should say, is, is to play a few closers and then take that best speed horse, play that horse as well and box them up. I mean, it's such an unpredictable race that that's, that's what I chose to do here. Jared, uh and we talked a lot about the speed when we did the last show and Aaron did a good job of kind of summing that up again here. I want to know from you, 
if you're picking a closer in this race, which one is has the best chance to get it and also who you think at a price has a really good chance to surprise? Yeah, you know, I I kept going back to speech here, um, you know, and I almost picked her on top, but I ended up just, you know, you know how much, you know, I, I say it every podcast, I feel like, but how much I love Serengeti Empress and a horn <laughs> like her that just, you know, brings it. And, uh, you know, I think we, to that point, I think, there's a chance that this race turns out to be less of a pace or speed kind of, you know, clash than we think. Cause I mean, you might see staring at Empress just be like, she is just faster than everyone else. And Gammy's a little uh, phony. And then all of a sudden staring at Empress is out on the lead by herself. And you're like, Oh shit. You know, there's there, where's the pace meltdown. So with that said, I like speech. I like Bell's the one, but I think everyone likes Bell's the one. You know, Bell's the one is not cool anymore. I think speech, <laughs> speech to me likes Keeneland. Her best race of her career was at Keeneland, you know, and, and she looked really good uh, winning the Ashland. Uh, you know, she she's finally cutting back, you know, and that to me which changes kind of the game for her. And a horse that likes to come late, she's the one that I'm playing, uh, that I'm included in everything underneath uh, and, and on top, frankly, in some of my tickets. You know, the way we kind of structured this one, a lot of times we like to play, I especially uh, love to play trifecta wheels and, and, and part wheels and those nature. But this race is one of those that I'm just like, you know what, I'm boxing it because it just feels like it could go. I, I like, I think speech could win. I think Bell's the one could win. I think Gamine could frankly win. I mean, how pissed would you be to see Gamine win and be like, oh, you didn't include her? Uh, so I think that's one of those that you kind of box instead of, instead of, you know, kind of keen on a horse because I think it could go a bunch of different ways. And of course, Serengeti Empress could win too. Yeah. And, and, and to be, if you want to just be a thousand percent fair and talk about, talk about tough luck, Bob, for a second, I guess there is a shot that Gamine is just the freak of all freaks. And if she is, when's the last time you've seen like a really good Baffert horse quit in the stretch? But to me, she's a defensive use because she might just take him and keep going. I, I, I would play her uh, in there as well. Just, you just never know. And that's the thing. There's just so many different factors. Now, one last thing, and then I don't know if you want to move on or not, but one last thing, anytime there's two elite speed horses in the race and everybody else, maybe they have speed, but it's not elite type of speed. You have to you have to think. What if one falls out of the gate and it stumbles and can't get up there? I'll, when there's four, when there's three, when there's four speed horses, you you got a better indication that yeah, it's gonna it, there is a really good chance it's gonna have a meltdown here. Yeah. But when there's just two, a lot of things can happen. You know, especially depending on it for exactly. your, your handicap. Exactly. And then just one jockey, one jockey could say, you know what, I don't want to go out there with her, and then. It, it throws everybody's handicapping off. So it's, a, it's just dicey. It's a really dicey race. Okay, I've seen a lot of people talk about um, Sally's Curlin on here. And, and I know, Magic, you included Sally's Curlin. I am mm-hmm. on, your four, on your top four. And, and honestly, she snuck into our top four consensus picks um, because of yours and a few uh, had her even higher. Uh, <laughs> I, won't blame, I won't blame you solely. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. And, and you, I mean, I, this is one of those I don't see. Um, especially to have a chance to win the thing. No way. I just don't see it. Hit the board. I mean, hit the board. This horse has shown that she is a grade two, grade three at best kind of horse. When she's the last two races in the Madison um, and then that race at Churchill Downs, uh, you just, like, she's not anywhere close in those grade ones. It's the old situation, and I lost to Serengeti Empress earlier in the year 
trying to do exactly what people are trying to do with Sally's Curlin. The pace set up on paper is so good for this horse that you look at her numbers and you say, it doesn't matter that she's slower than the rest of the field. They're all going to walk home. And I, you know, it, they're going to have to, for her to win. Yeah. And I haven't, honestly, I like Sally's Curlin in those races. He just mentioned grade twos, grade threes. This horse is super consistent. I mean, I, I you know, it's it, the horse is a Curlin. Of course, I love Sally's Curlin. That right there is enough, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, I just don't think she'll be able to pick them all off here. It's going to take a career best effort from her to uh, to, to compete in this race. I mean, her career best buyer is a 93 that she got for winning the Hurricane Birdie uh, earlier this year at Gulfstream Park. A big reason I liked her is I think Brian Hernandez Jr. is a vastly underrated jockey, and he got to ride her for the first time in the Derby City Distaff last out. Uh, he figured out how to ride her and, 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 and how to position her, and I think coming back for the second start is going to be a big help for him. Um, you know, you mentioned the Curlin factor. She's four years old, so she the Curlins. This is a red time when we see them peak and develop. We saw that with Vino Rosso last year in the Classic. I think if the pace falls apart, I think she has almost as good a chance as Bell's the one. It's going to take a better ride than what she's had in her last couple of ones because I don't think the pace goes that much quicker than what she had in the Derby City Distaff when they went 21 and 4, 43 and 3. So that's where I landed with that. Also, it's Dale Romans at a price. Uh, if this if, if she was single digits, I wouldn't have touched her, but it's Dale mm-hmm. Romans at a price and he sneaks into the board and screws up your your exotic plays in some of these races with horses like Sally's curling. It's just it's going to take a career best effort, but I why not? And to answer, I don't this is not a race I'm singling in the pick four. No, hell no. no, no. Uh, that's a hard no. Um, I, I will say in that in that race two pick four. I think it's a race you got to go a little shorter in because that sequence is so extremely hard. But in this opening pick four, or the opening like Breeders' Cup pick four, no, no, not a single. Um, nobody's mentioned come dancing. This is uh, the three shows now. Nobody's mentioned come dancing. Uh, I haven't taken her seriously all year. I, I thought she should have retired at the end of last year. Uh, where do you guys stand on come dancing? Same. Yeah. Let's just say that in the guide, I think there's one person, I think that my name is uh, Samich. That even included her in our in our top four. Um, where did where did Ryan have her in the top four? Ryan had her first in every position. <laughs> uh, um, no, I mean I'm with you guys. I just I know that last race was was pretty impressive, um, but you just couple you know she I feel like you know she just doesn't come up to those big races very well anymore. You know. She just hasn't looked like the same that she did in 2019 when she was dominating. All right, let's take a look at the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Uh, one of the biggest fields, at least, that was trying to get in from the pre-entry position here. Uh, lots of speed signed on. That's u- Usually you want a horse that's going to be a little closer and you uh, in a race like this. You also want a horse that's going to be a little shorter price based off of the trends that we've seen. You have a horse like Leinster who loves Keeneland. It's got the, the course record. You have a horse like Imprimis who should be undefeated this year. Got Stormy's your seven to two favorite, but I know we've been a little chilly on her. We think she's going to take a lot of money that she necessarily doesn't deserve based off of her form in here. I uh, I want to know from a price perspective if there was a horse that you really love that you think is going to outrun his odds. Aaron, who is that going to be in this race? Well, this is a very good race to ask that question because there's a lot that could right. I mean, this is an absolute. I call it a circle race. You know, it's just insane. And this is another one from a betting standpoint. It's just, to me, it's kind of like, let's try to get this thing over with. But I do have one horse that I like as far as uh, your question goes. 
And I go to the rail with Big Runner. I, I think this horse is coming on. I think 12 to 1 is a perfect price. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan Stillman's uh, uh, Fantasy League partner, John White, picked Big Runner to win this race. That's another really positive sign. Oh, wow. Um, and, and, and I had Big Runner in third, and I've got him in every single thing. Exactus, tries, supers, uh, you know, multi-race. He's in all, He's in everything I'm going to play. So that made me feel pretty good to see, to see John White pick that horse. Um, so a lot of positives there. I think a 12 to one big runner is definitely, uh, a horse worth the play. Uh, so to answer your question, yeah, on the long shot, big runner for me. Well, this is a fun horse too, because he didn't even get started until almost the end of his four-year-old racing season. And, and he's never missed the board in seven starts. He's on a three race win streak. All of those buyers in those last few races have been improving. And yeah. I like that Juan Hernandez is coming over. He's, he just spent his first year racing in Southern California after dominating Golden Gate. And now he's going to be in the Breeders' Cup with this mount. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Jared, a price horse for you in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprints. Well, yeah, this is the one. This horse uh, is the one I'm worried about um, because I didn't include. And we didn't really include in our in our tri-wheel we played just because of the way our, our opinions in this race. Yeah. Are the, this is the one race probably that we, they just completely differ. You know? <laughs> We're all over the place. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, my top two picks he didn't even use, you know, and, and his picks <laughs> I didn't use. You know, and so we had to kind of come together. So we're like, okay, we're not going to invest a lot of money into this race just because it's so wide open. Let's take a stab and see what happens. Listen, my my price is the is probably my uh, my top pick, and that's Alexandra, and that's your top pick at twelve to one. I mean, there you go. Uh, that that's my win. That's my winner. You know, so why why I have to use her uh, twelve to one and. and you know, coming in that, that she's just been unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and coming in off of two really good, I mean, Julie Lipica beat her two back, and that's her loss, you know, in the last three starts. And that's a really damn good horse as well. Listen, one for one at Keeneland, uh, at this distance, uh, four starts, two wins, two seconds. I mean, she will bring it. You got, I mean, to me, she's one of those where you're like, she'll bring it. It's just a matter of if she's good enough. And I think she is. I mean, the way that she's ran, ran this year, two starts and just has looked really, really good. I think at 12 to 1, dude, I hope we get it because I know you're on her too, uh, Magic. I hope we get 12 to 1 because I think she's going to be tough. Well, and I'm glad you brought her up. It, this is a horse that you remember that the one time she's been to Keeneland before was the Buffalo Trace Franklin County Stakes. They got Stormy one la uh, just last month, and that's a big reason why she's favored in this spot. When uh, Alexandra won that race, people were pushing for Neil Drysdale to enter her in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. And he said, no, she's had a long season. I'm going to pump the brakes on her. But she could have gone into last year's Turf Sprint as one of the, the favorites off of that race because it was so impressive. And she hasn't done anything wrong. This year, she she lost by half length to Julie Olympica, who, if she was in this race, would most definitely be probably second in my top four behind Alexandra. The way she won the Jiper, you got to watch that replay. If, if you don't remember, this horse had no chance and somehow fought her way against all the boys to get up there and win it. And she hasn't been seen since then, but she's fired very well off the bench in the past. I'm not worried about her. Um, Ryan, I want to ask you this because you very much follow the history of, and, and the connections of, of racing here as much as anybody a horse like front run the fed you've got clarovich stables which is Chad, trainer chad brown's top ownership group obviously it's chad brown javier castellano is going to ride and you're seeing 12 to 1 on the board when you see those connections in a turf race at the breeders cup at 12 to 1 at, does that just scream to you that this is a horse you really need to consider i mean i think so right i mean that's that's terrifying to me uh it's funny I, 
It's funny though. I just want to point out something. We have so many horses at 12 to one in this race that people have questions about. And that's crazy. Like uh, front run the fed. We have a big runner and we also have Alexandra. I'm just curious, like, could this be one where everyone is overthinking this and it just becomes like the favorite wins it kind of vibe. Because like when they have, cause I've just never seen anything like it. We're like, the questions keep coming to 12 to one horses. What do you guys think? Well, and we haven't even mentioned God Stormy, who's seven to two and has won two straight turf sprints and really last time out looked like a monster. So it, Ryan, yes, absolutely. It's possible. I, I think what happens uh, in a race like this is so many horses are attractive at prices. It's like, I got to pick one, right? So, and I think that's what, 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 what has happened now. God Stormy to me is definitely a horse to use in your multis. So in the multi, in the pick fours, pick fives, I've got got Stormy in there. I just, I threw her out in exactus and tries and supers because I want a balloon here. And I think if she, if she's in the, you know, obviously if she finishes in there with long shots, then now I'm going to really kick myself that I had the long shots, but I didn't have got Stormy, but I want that big balloon because the deal is I don't want to invest a lot of money in this race, right? I, we're playing low amounts here. We're just kind of just, Hey, if our opinions are right, let's make sure we cash something, but let's not lose a lot of money here. So, so I just feel like you're playing some prices when you, when you have that kind of strategy. It's, you guys mentioned uh, front run the Fed, and that's a horse that I'm I'm terrified of be, uh, in every way because that's a horse I, I ended up tossing out and in, including uh, Leinster, uh, and I was on the fence about Leinster if, in the top four, and I wanted to put front run the Fed kind of to his point of ballooning it, and then I was like, you know, how can I leave that horse out? Um, I really like that horse, so it comes down to you, so you get terrified of these horses front run the Fed. You know, damn near com coming into this race as a winner, uh, winning in the last race, I should say, in that turf sprint at Kentucky Downs. Infamous, who I like, who I'm including, I think we all like, um, nearly got beat by this horse, you know, and you're getting 12 to 1. So to me, and, and you know, like you mentioned Magic, you, meet, you need zero uh, introduction of who this horse is, owned by and trained by and ridden by. So you're just like, damn, man, you're getting 12 to 1 on. This is one of those horses, if he beats you, it knocks you out of it or whatever. You're like, son of a bitch. I, I let Clarabetch Stables yeah. and Chad Brown beat me on the turf. Really? Like, I, I'm just, I might as well quit now. So that that's one of those that you got it. I mean, I'm going to try to use this uh, defensively in all my tickets yeah. uh, on the multi, especially so you stay alive. Yeah, that, that exact last point you made, Jared, that has burned me more times than I'd ever care to admit. And that's a big reason. <laughs> big reason I would play front run the Fed, even if I didn't like the horse. I'd say, you know what? Not letting this be what knocks me out. Honestly, uh, it's one of those you look at the paper and you don't even need to really necessarily look at the past performances too much. You're just like, I'm not going to allow that connection to beat me, so I'm including them. Let's take a look at the big-ass fans, Drip Mile, our favorite sponsor of the entire Breeders' Cup weekend. Uh, 12 <laughs> Horse is going to be going in the gate here. Uh, favoritism looks like it's going to be on complexity at 2-1, to one, but back-to-back years, -back Jared, you know this, the favorite has lost this race, has not turned up well. Also, these outside post positions going to a, short, a mile and 70 yards, I guess it is technically at Keeneland, that's a very short run into that first turn, and so it's a big reason I'm completely against complexity in this spot. It seems like a lot of us really like Nick's go. He owns the track record for a mile and a 16th. The very slight cutback, and boy, drawn from post five, that's a much better spot than complexity is at. Uh, do we get seven to two on Nick's go in the race? Boy, I we might, you know, um, due to complexity being in this. Listen, you 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 nailed it. That's a big reason why I end up going against complexity. Um, that and the fact that Nick's go just is 
since with Brad Cox has just been unbelievable. I mean, Halter and I talked a lot about this on you know, yesterday on the ride to the Lexington. We're like, you know, maybe it just was a matter of he, he's always been a good horse. He finally got with Brad Cog, you know, a really solid trainer, and, and look what he's done. Obviously loves Keeneland. Uh, we know that from, from his past history, you know, a horse that's, you know, ran well here uh, his whole career. Um, so, you know, you, you got to think that this horse at 7-2, and I think you got the benefit of having complexity in the race that's going to help get hold a prize for you you know this, this next go was completely shocking to me because i came in the race thinking no way am i gonna pick Nick's go <laughs> like i'm not gonna do it and it then, sounds and, like a joke <laughs> and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick complexity probably and then not only that as you look at the guide you're like it, this horse was close to being an overall consensus pick uh uh you know only, i think only two people didn't pick Nick's go so that tells you that this horse is just you know brad cox could have a huge breeder's cup. Quite quite a journey for Nick's go from the horse. Everyone's like, wait, he finished second in the juvenile. How'd that happen? To like now <laughs> he comes back all these years later, it feels like. And like everyone's like, seven to two on Nick's go, I'll take it. You know, yeah, kinda... like, you know, this is a horse that won that few charity that year. Um forty to one 70, or something. Seventy to one. That's right. Uh, and you thought, okay, that was a complete fluke. So it goes into the juvenile. And, and gets beat by game winner, obviously great horse, but gets second at, at 40, forty to one. one. And all of a sudden, you're like, "Well, this horse is." And he goes to the office of favorite at the jockey club, and runs get beat by about twenty lengths. So you talk about a horse that just, like you say, Ryan, has just kind of had a very interesting career, and never really has uh, has never sniffed kind of being a good horse really ever again um, until enter Brad Cox. So Nick's go will always be one of my favorite horses. And there's only really one reason. For it, and that's because of my wife and shout out to Heather. She got called into work today. She's in a bad mood. So we're going to shout her out on the podcast. But uh, Nick's go on, on Heather's birthday, we did a, a podcast and Heather and I went out and we had a few drinks and Heather begged to be on the show. We're like, okay, yeah, definitely. You can come on the show, you know? And it was the Sam F. Davis. It was the Sam F. Davis show. And she picked Nick's go. And she was so excited. New York bred. She's a New York bred. The horse is gray. Everything about him. Got beat by 13 leagues in the Sam F. Davis. But here we come full circle. And me as like a professional handicapper is picking Nick's go. You know? <laughs> it's really unbelievable. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on Nick's go. And, and honestly, this is just crazy. And I, we may sit here Saturday evening and go, God, that was the dumbest thing. <laughs> To sit here and not only pick Nick's go, but to be like, I kind of think he might win by two or three lengths. I really believe that, though. I think that horse is just super good right now. And you look at his race at Oaklawn, uh, the first start for Brad Cox, that was off the charts, too. And then, you, you, of course, everybody saw the Keeneland race. And it's like, yeah, if he runs that race, I don't think these other horses can beat him. You know, there's a mention there of the of both Cox horses and move on. I you not necessarily are, are huge on Owendell here. I I really do like Owendell in here at a price at eight to one um, for Brad Cox, a horse that loves Keeneland and loves this distance and kind of has a setup. Uh, if this race does have a sort of a meltdown with Owendell just being a very consistent horse at this distance, um, and another horse that I know I like, I know Slim likes quite a bit, Sharp Samurai. You know, this is a uh, I'll let Magic kind of talk a little bit about this horse being um, kind of the, the bias there. But Sharp Samurai, what do you think of Sharp Samurai? I love this horse. I, I, I think he's extremely sneaky at a price. First of all, when he went into the Pacific Classic, 
it, it was a five horse field and we all thought i thought for sure he was going to scratch out of it and go into there was a turf stakes the next day and they stayed in the pacific class i thought but this is okay i i mean i guess you're taking a shot to see what happens against this field he ran a good second to maximum security uh going a lot longer going a mile and a quarter then returns in the city of hope mile back on turf almost beats moforza who would have been my top pick in the mile had he shown up in that race this horse just shows up every time he fires his shot he, he sometimes he can be compromised by trip especially on the turf but the fact that i read ortiz jr is going to ride this horse and i saw what he did with spun to run last year who i really loved going to the dirt mile um he's he's gonna jump aboard he's gonna get that inside post draw going into the first turn so i'm not worried about him getting too much kickback from horses ahead of him a, a big key was getting i read and that inside draw, and, and those were two reasons i love him at a price in here I, I will say this on him. He's the one that scares me that I didn't use because of what you said. He's just a really classy, classy horse. I'm not as sold on the Pacific Classic because I think that may have been one of the worst grade one horse. Pretty bad field. And then it was just atrocious. And then Victor rides his horse just not to like just to hit the board. And so, you know, it wasn't hard. Basically, you had two donkeys, like literally they were donkeys that got out of the field. And then you had Victor who didn't try to win. And then you had Sharp Samurai because got class. And then Tough Luck Bob had maximum security. I mean, it was it was really rough. So that's I just don't buy his his dirt form, so to speak. But yeah, he'll show up. He'll show up and run, no question. Ryan, did you have any opinions in this race? I just think uh Mr. Freeze is the only horse that any of you guys talk about that I was curious what you guys had to say about. Well, it's a good horse. I like him in here. Uh, he won the Gulfstream Park Mile. And if you look at the list of horses who have won that race, there's actually a really good list of horses. It's almost a mini stallion making race. So the, the, the list of horses that have won that in recent years. So um, if he can refine, if he can rediscover that form and it looked a little bit like last time out that he did, um, I think he's got a shot. He needs a better trip than what he had last time out. And I love that afterwards, uh, everybody was saying, my God, he won with that terrible trip. And the jockey got off and said, yeah, it was, I had a beautiful trip. It was great. I loved every second of it. And I was like, were you watching a different race than the rest of us were? <laughs> what about you guys? You know, I, if this race was in March, I would say he's probably going to win. But I just think he's fallen off form. And yes, he did win. But when you look at his figures uh, in March and in January, March to now, even though he won last time out, they're still well behind, you know. So you said it best. And I think it's the key if and it's a huge if he gets back to that top class form, he could definitely win this race. He definitely scares you just because he is. We know he's capable of that big performance. You know, I mean, we've seen it. Um, The other horse that I kind of. I had the you almost forget is in the race, but yet this is the yeah. horse that was very much talked about most of the year due to the Derby Trail, and that's our collector um, choosing to run here over the classic, which you know maybe makes some sense, but it just feels like a lot of us. I mean, I, you, I didn't, I wasn't that high on him in this race, you know. And so, what do you? I mean, how do you? Was the Preakness that bad to be like I'm just off of him? I don't like him at a mile for his num- was number one. I don't I don't like the cutback for him very well, and the Preakness. Yeah, he pissed me off in the Preakness. So there were <laughs> there was two things, and you know now facing olders for the first time. I don't really, you know, if you've listened to the show a lot, I, that's not a huge factor for me. But if you already are disliking a horse, that's just another reason to pile on it, you know. So I just was like, yeah, I, but you're right. I mean. This horse has been awesome all year, and then has the one kind of dud in the Preakness, so to speak. If and then, he runs his bluegrass race here, yeah, he could win. 
yeah, he, I mean, again, like you say, he likes Keeneland. So. Yep. Yep. All right, let's move on and talk about the Philly and Mare Turf. And Aaron, you alluded to this earlier, how important one race could be for helping you handicap multiple races at the Breeders' Cup. Uh, a lot of us love Rushing Fall, your 5-2 to two favorite on top. Uh, I'm going to be extremely sad this is her last race. This is one of the first horses I ever followed very closely at, at the start of her career. But you like a different horse on top here that's got a nice price attached to her. Tell us about it. Yeah, it absolutely kills me. I want to say, number one, that I didn't pick Rushing Fall. This is only the second time in this horse's career that I have not picked her on top to win the were race. You were you correct the other time when you didn't pick her on top? Yes, I was correct. It was okay. in Montana two years ago where Sister Charlie beat her when Sister Charlie was just absolutely phenomenal, uh, you know, during that time period. And, and, and Rushing Fall ran a very, very good second. And uh, I was sitting with my buddy Paul, or our buddy Paul, I should say, at Saratoga. We watched that race live together, and he said – we may have saw two Breeders' Cup winners because, you know, he thought Rush and Fall might go to the mile that year. Turns mm -hmm. out they skipped the Breeders' Cup because they don't think the Philly and Mare Turf distance is good for her. And now she's the five to two favorite. Bingo. That's why I'm going against Rushing Fall. I don't I just don't buy the logic of we skipped it at four and we, or we skipped her at three and four because we, we think it's too long. But now we think she can get it. I think it's just, hey, it's her last race. Let's take a shot at it. I will say she's better than she's ever been in her entire career right now. And that could be enough for her to get the job done. 1,000% a defensive use for me will not let rushing fall knock me out of any wagers. But on top, Adaria was the worst for me. I absolutely love this horse at 12 to 1. I love her at 12 to 1. Uh, two races packed, picked up a beautiful win. I, I thought you talk about a replay that I was impressed with, the, the replay two races back. But the kicker, Tarnarwa, who I love, in the turf that we'll talk about and you talk about replays that's the one that really stood out to me her replays adaria finished third to this horse and only got beat a length and now shows up here at 12 to 1 i just think she's one you have to play here <laughs> jared dude this is one that you know we talked a lot about this race too uh yesterday and it's like the more i thought about it like man i am Thank goodness we on our tickets we used Daria all over the place as well. Um, this is one of, as far as me personally, my top four. I'm pissed that I didn't include uh, because I just you know I love Tana in, in that in that uh, turf race, and then it's like how can you not like her? This horse that, that ran so well against her. My my problem was with this one is I, I just like too many, um, and, and you know Rushing Falls who I'm going to land on. I, I'm 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 kind of it's I think it's a little. I, it's a little bit of the heart play too, because uh, just because you're like, you know what? She's going out. She's as best, as good as she's ever been. She's gonna just bring it, you know. And I just think she's better than the rest of the horses. It's, it's just a matter of can she get the distance. No, no, no. Um, you know, I, I don't buy the mean Mary angle. Uh, we'll see how that works for me. But I don't buy. I, I think she's a good horse. I just don't know if she can beat Rushing Fall. But you know, and then I'm, and then I'm I again, my heart is a little. Sister Charlie, I, I still feel like, uh, you know, she's good enough to hit the board here, or at least finish the top four. So I just kind of ran out of horses uh, to include. And plus, I like a horse, uh, Terrebellum. I like that horse quite a bit in this race. And that's kind of my international flavor, so to speak. Um, so I think that horse of 20 to 1 sh brings me a lot more upside. Uh, you know, this horse is kind of going back to a distance that she uh, used to be a lot, you know, really good at. So, you know, been running three straight times, going a mile. Clearly needs to go a, bit, a little bit longer. And now you get that with the Tory to ride back on board after not riding her last time out. So I like that angle too, at a big price. So she kind of got the bump, whereas Daria didn't. 
I will, uh, to defend Rushing Fall, just for a brief second, Aaron's pointed out correctly that they put her in the Breeders' Cup as a juvenile. She won the Juvenile Phillies Turf at a mile on the 16th at age two. Ages three and four, they skipped it. Ages three and four, a mile and a quarter. She's going to mile and three sixteenths. Well, half of a furlong less than what uh, the other years have been. So that's why I'm going to defend her for that. I know it's negligible. But um, the big question here, really, for anybody who's handicapping this race, is you have the 2018 champ, Sister Charlie, we haven't even talked about her yet. Uh, she's been third every start since, uh, including uh, last year's Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf. What do you do with her? Because she just doesn't seem to look like the same sister Charlie. And yet, it's Chad Brown. He's bringing her into this race fresh, which he did two years ago. What the hell do you do with sister Charlie? Charlie, she's tough. You know, she's tough to, to – you You have to – you know, she she likes Keelan was friend once here in in the uh, in the Jenny Wiley was awesome, but that was back when she was awesome, you know. And she just hasn't looked. My thought is, and I and this is just my, it's just you know, I think it's with with her. You kind of have to be like, listen, I'm taking a stand with her. I'm taking a stand against her. In my in my view, it's like I feel like Chad wanted to get her away from Saratoga as fast as he possibly could. Like she didn't like Saratoga this year. Uh, needed that change of scenery so to speak uh, you know the breeders cup is what it is she got beat by two good horses but she still has lacked that kind of punch that we're used to seeing down the lane so that's why i didn't i couldn't just pick her on top but i definitely think she's good enough to to, to, to grab a piece here but I, w- I won't argue with you if you're going to pick her at six to one because i mean by and far the best price you're going to get on her and since she's been in the united states I, I love Sister Charlie, one of my favorite horses, but I, you know, I, I can't, I can't play a horse in the Breeders' Cup when, when her races all year long just haven't been any good. Period. So, yeah. yeah, Michael Myers, one of our regular watchers and listeners and commenters, brought this up uh, to me last week. Even without Theus in there, that's kind of where she struggles. She's undefeated whenever she would have Theus, that rabbit that would go to the front set unbelievably fast fractions and set it up for sister Charlie to close. Yeah. Uh, her record is, is not nearly as strong uh, in, in over twice as many races, but not nearly as strong without that rabbit. So, you know, unless, unless she's going to look at me and Mary as, as, as the next Theus in this race, I'm not necessarily sure that we're going to see her be able to, to come running again. So Theus uh, is, is not the problem this year though. The problem <laughs> is she lost her form. I mean, yeah, and just all there is. She just doesn't have the turn of foot. I mean, she's losing the horses. You know, say, say she's losing these races by a length or a half, and it's like, oh, she closed. She just couldn't get there. She's not even close. Like, so. Yeah, I mean, like, like her her race in the Boston Spa. It's like, okay, you get beat by Starship Jubilee on her first race and our, you know what I mean, first start of the year. It's unacceptable to me, but, but <laughs> you can outside of Woodbine, that's unacceptable. Call me love beats her too. She couldn't get right. past that horse. Yeah. It was, but well, uh, to me, I was like, oh man, you know, and then yeah. rushing fall and mean Mary beat her, which is, I mean, obviously two horses that are in this race, two very good horses as well. So you kind She's of never in the race, but she was, yeah, she, exactly. And that's my thought is like, how do you, I can get on board with playing her under, on, underneath everything. But to get on board with her all of a sudden turning the tables and winning the race, it's just going to take something dramatic, I feel like. And I don't don't see it. Yeah, I think and nobody in the chat is coming to her defense. So I think that uh, I think that everybody's safely against her. Let's talk about the Breeders' Cup Sprint. This is always one of the racing dudes team's favorite races at the Breeders' Cup every year. Lots of fast horses trying to see if they can go six furlongs. Uh, we got to see Chancelot throw down with Matoli last year. Uh, but we've seen Minder Biscuits do really well in some previous races. Steve Asmus has got Yopan in here, seven to two. 
that's a pretty good price on how good this horse has looked, Aaron. You know, it's funny that you said it's one of our favorite races because it absolutely is. But this year, it is the race I'm least looking forward to of the two days of the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> wow. Really quite, quite incredible, right? Because it had so much promise earlier in the year. This, oh, yeah. To me, this is kind of just falling apart. Uh, Yopon absolutely looks like a horse that uh, I mean, should win. Yopon's seven the two, but what will she be? Or what will he be? I mean, he'll be bet down heavily with Nova Coma now. Yeah, and and do you want to take eight to five? Or well, maybe it's not eight to five, but let's say two to one, five to two on Yopon first time. You know, against the horse, any horses that are really any good. I mean, let's just like put that boldly out there. He yeah. hasn't faced any good horses, and now he's facing quote unquote the best sprinters in the country <laughs> um look i think this race goes one of two ways it's incredibly chalky and it's yopon diamond oops you know cz rocket horses like that or it's incredibly funky to a situation where i don't know how you put together a bet to where you could hit something so to me i hate this race I, i'm not excited to watch it really and i'm not excited to bet it <laughs> jared what about you that's uh, that's a that's a really big sign for all our listeners. Like, hey, get excited about this one. I'm not excited for it. I don't even want to bet it. Well, so. we say it so much, <laughs> so much in our article, and that's the thing about the article. We tell you, yeah, we're not just like real excited. About no, this. I mean, yeah, I agree. It's it is one of those two that you know, like you said, this is I we love this race every year, you know, and this yeah. year it seemed like it had all that kind of hype and promise, and then it's just fizzled. Um, I mean, I, I suppose this, the Aspison horse could turn into be kind of like this could be like the coming out party, so to speak, for this horse and, and be a real monster for him. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just I, I went with Diamond Noobs just for the pure pack that this horse is, the, you know, one of the classier horses in the bunch and then obviously likes Keeneland and likes a distance and eight to one. I mean, shit. Uh, I'd rather have eight to one. But again, all these prices are going to be fluctuated differently now with no Vacoma in the race. I have a question for Aaron, because I know you're a big Thurograph guy, right? Um, what do you do with Forense Fire? Because, you know, the Thurograph numbers there are kind of interesting if you follow him. Forense Fire is very interesting altogether, and that, and that the way you're speaking as well uh, factors into that. He's all over the board, right? He's just all over the board. And would he, could he win? Him winning? Would him winning surprise me? Absolutely not. Would him finishing 10th surprise me? Absolutely not. You know, he was one of those service horses that, you know, I think we all kind of thought, you know, yeah, he was drugged for sure, but he's probably still decent. And he showed, oh, I'm pretty decent. So he's kind of lucked into a situation where he can win. Like, I, I still think he's like a second tier type as far as the, the big time sprinters and then it's him. But there's no real big time proven sprinters in here now. So, you know, to answer your question, I think he's very playable. We uh, we had a question in the here. Uh, how often does the horse wear this field? I can tell you from the 14 trends to know that's happened twice in the last 22 years. And the last time it was big drama in 2010. So it doesn't happen that often in this race. Yeah. And I think in a good, uh, you know, kind of when I was making those trends and that's a, that's a very, you know, two out of 22. I mean, that's not a great number to lean on. And you, when you have a, uh, a race to, to go off of so, so uh, recent as a chance a lot, who, like we've talked about, I mean, a thousand times, where Nolly was he, I mean, one of the faster horses we've seen in recent memory. Um, he also was on a very speed favoring track that day and still couldn't get it done again. And Mitoli, I mean, unbelievable horse, don't get me wrong, yeah. 
But speed just, no matter what comes into this race every year, it just seems like speed has a hard time holding because you have such classy horses uh, able to close or at least able to stop and close. So, yeah, I mean, could Yopon be one of those to buck that trend, I guess. Uh, but I think just given what's in this race, I think you, that's kind of why I like Diamond Oops, just to try to play off of that horse. Um, the What's interesting with this race, there's the speed has only held on twice in 22 years and then in the the draw show i brought up the fact that the inside two posts going six furlongs at keeneland at their fall meet were absolutely dreadful it was one for i think 78 and yet i have diamond dupes on top like jared and underneath i have the horses that drew first and second and i have the speed horse in yopon so uh this is kind of a boomer bust guide pick <laughs> selection here for me but uh, diamond dupes at eight to one that's what swayed me was was the price for him what if what if what if the other Askinson does it? You know, Echo Town is one of those horses. I mean, he's obviously a Grade One winner this year, uh, he, and he's also he's one of those that like runs really well and then looks super shitty a couple times, and then he runs really well. It, like he, if he won, it wouldn't shock me whatsoever because he has just been a very frustrating horse all year, and he's a huge price when obviously all the attention is going to be on the other Askinson. First of all, the guy, what Real Dynasty picks said, you know, Ricardo Santana's never rode Yopon, so I didn't really look at it that way. But as far as I did the same thing, yeah. But as far as Ricardo uh, on Echo Town, um, I, I don't really think that's the factor. But I think you kind of said it best. He has shown at times that he's pretty good, and he's shown at times that he's pretty shitty, and uh, it's really hard to kind of predict. But the thing is, he is going to have the setup, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen to. to Two weeks ago, I'd say no chance. A month ago, I would have said, don't put him in the race. But as this has progressed, and here we are with what's left, he, he deserves a shot here for sure. And if you want to play a big price, you know, I, I'm not going to talk you off one in this race. All right. Let's talk about the race that kicks off the late pick four sequence for Saturday at the Breeders' Cup. The Breeders' Cup mile, uh, big field here. The trend recently, seven of the last nine winners were American-based. Uh, you had Uni do it last year for Chad Brown. She was, as Jared put it, the best of both worlds because she's from overseas. And I will tell you, no matter who we picked on top, somebody picked an American-based horse that is from overseas or at least internationally based or uh, internationally bred, I should say. Yeah. Um, a lot of us seem to really love digital age here, especially eight to one. And again, this is Chad Brown. This is Castellano. This is Klarovich. And it's a price in a turf race at the Breeders' Cup. Even if you didn't pick him on top, you've got to use digital agent everything, right? Let me just start it off with like you can and you can pick it up, but like this is like I feel like this these last four races, this four race sequence is where you can get real serious about making some big money because <laughs> these horses are legit. Yeah. You can depend on them a little more. Some of those early races are hit and miss. Uh, you know, you could take stabs and certainly the prices could balloon if something crazy happens. I'm not saying that, but as far as this, the, I'm pressing and I know you are too. And listening to the magic mic, it kind of get that, that, uh, as well. It's like, you can really press your opinions in these final four races because you have really good horses. Yeah. And it, it, just to be clear, the negativity for me, as far as I'm not excited about this race is now officially over <laughs> because these four races I totally agree with what he said, not only from a betting standpoint, but how exciting are these races going to be to watch? They're going to be super exciting to watch. This is the Breeders' Cup, right? Amazing. This is a great way to start off the pick four. You got Digital Age, who a lot of people love. I like him too. Guess what? We don't know if he's that good at a mile. Guess what that means? We can go a lot of different ways. There's a lot of horses that have a shot here. 
guess what that means? It's an unbelievable betting race. So it's all great. Uh, I kind of like the two horse Kameko or Kamiko. Uh, you know, I don't know how you want to say it there, but I thought this is an international horse coming over. That's got a great shot. Um, you know, if you want to play a horse, uh, you know, based, uh, you know, in, in this country, what about factor this? Uh, you know, this horse, you look at this horse's resume this year. Wow. He's done nothing wrong. Another Brad Cox. Why I think we're all on Echo Town is the only race that this horse lost was, or why we're all on Digital Age. I'm sorry. The only race, still got Echo Town on the mind. The only the <laughs> reason we're on Digital Age is because the only race factor this lost, Digital Age beat him. Yeah. And it didn't look like Digital Age should have beat him. Like it looked like factor this was gone, and Digital Age said, nah, I'm going to come get you. Here's the factor, though. This race is shorter. Can he catch him at a mile? So if you love Digital Age, you got to love Factor This as well. I could talk about all these. Those are the three, though, that I really love. Can I ask you about Factor This before we move on? Um, when the, the pre-entries and, and everything first came out and we found out Factor This was heading here and not to the Breeders' Cup turf, you were pretty down on that decision. You and Mike Samich were both thought that that was the wrong decision, that he's not fast enough to handle the mile and maybe even the distance of the turf wasn't going to be good for him there you both have since changed your opinions mike loves factor this here and yep. you were just lauding him so what changed from the time that the pre-entry list was we first received that until now well let me uh, let's let's two things right i still wish he was in the turf because when you look at that turf and you put his speed into play he might take them wire to wire. I think he might. He he would almost be an amazing play in the turf because I think he'd be a pretty big price. But it, what it came down to here is you start analyzing. You're like, okay, maybe maybe he's not fast enough, you know, to get the absolute lead here. But he's drawn outside of all the other speed. Florent Giroux is going to have a million options. Who would you rather have on the horse than Florent Giroux? How he's ridden all year long has been fantastic. And you just look at that class and you look at those figures and it's like, damn, he is really, really good. I don't really care that I didn't like him at going a mile. You know, I think I, and I think a big factor, him drawing outside of all the speed, I, I think that helps him a little bit. I know Mike, he may disagree with that a little bit. I still think he thinks he has to go right to the lead. I don't necessarily believe he has to be in front here. Um, so, but really it was just his class that I was just like, you know, even though that I don't think this was the right race for him, you, you know, I, I still think he's got a good shot. And one last thing, and let's be very, very 100%, a thousand percent clear about this. His trainer knows more than me and knows more than Mike Samich. Period. Move on. And, and Mike Samich would have fully agree with you on that one. Uh, Jared, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if he would. I agree with him. <laughs> Samich would not. Yeah. Jared, what were you? Uh, what were your thoughts on the mile here? Dude, you know, I, I, uh, I'm i with Digital Age here uh, big time. But you know what? Here's the thing. I came into this race after that last race uh, with Uni. And it was like, I'm picking Uni to, to defend, you know. And then I, I came into it and I was like, man, Digital Age, That's I'm going with the other Chad Brown. Um, I still am, I'm pretty high. I think I'm more high on most with the most, uh, in this race, uh, on uni. Uh, I, I still think, I still believe it. Or not, I thought that last race was impressive and I get, I, you know, I listened a lot yesterday, believe it or not. I actually did listen to your show. You were forced to, you weren't, you didn't I have to follow the radio. 
Halterin literally just like he would not let me touch the phone, and we had to let, listen. Um, but you know, I get it. You know, she didn't beat a ton in there. Uh, in your in the figures show that uh, that she's not where she was at last year. Um, but she's improving every race, and I feel like she's getting a little bit better. And, and you know, and like Sister Charlie, you can at least hang your hat a little bit on the fact that she kind of made some sort of bump up than what we had seen uh, the last few. So, by the way, I got to just just a flashback because this, you know, that race last year. If you want to watch a Breeders' Cup race, watch her win this race last year. And Ryan, having Ryan on the show, do you remember? <laughs> We had, I don't remember the why, but we had kind of got all split up. But you and I were watching that race together, and we were at the top of the stretch at at San at Santa Anita, and of course it was God Stormy and, and her, and where we were positioned, Uni was making her move. You know, she was rounding around them, and I put my arm up, and I said, "It's over." <laughs> and we we're at the top of the stretch and, and you kind of looked at me and you said, Oh my gosh. And then just, I just had my hand up the whole stretch. And of course she won. Of course that was a very, very ballsy. I mean, she could very easily lost with the way God Stormy won or the way God Stormy ran. But mm-hmm. I also never forget, you know, that how great that performance was and how you and I were watching that race at that position where she kind of made her big move. Yeah, man. That's one I won't forget either. And honestly, who isn't a fan of her? She's an awesome horse. <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool to see her go back to back, but you know, I like Ivar. I like uh, Kameko. I don't even know how you say that horse's name. That's an interesting horse. I mean, so for her to do it, do you think, Jared, do you have a feeling she could beat horses like this this year? I feel like, I mean, I, I depend on, I, I still think she can do it. I think she's just got that winning class and winning ability. Uh, but I mean, that's definitely gonna not going to be easy. I think it's tougher than last year. Uh, talk about Ivar. That's what, that's uh I want to I'll actually, you know what? I'll just throw it, throw it to you, Magic, because that's your uh, top pick here. So talk about Ivar. God, yeah, this is a horse that I'm so frustrated when we did on the Magic Mike show. We covered the the pick four sequence that with the sh- included the Shedwell Turf Mile, and I said at the end of that, I said I, I I'm not going to play him here, but I'm going to watch very closely what happens with Ivar because he had run two back to back really strong hundred plus buyer races. And his trainer was taking the blinkers off. And I've kind of adopted the philosophy that when that happens, when a trainer adds blinkers partway through a horse's career and then removes them, I read into that that the trainer thinks whatever the problem was, it's been fixed and now it's safe to take the blinkers off. And I said, I want to see what happens with Ivar because if he runs really well, I'm going to play him next out. Then the son of a bitch went ahead and won one race early. And then now it's <laughs> going to be four to one, which pisses me off because as Mike likes to say on our show, that the Shadwell Turf Mile, that was the wedding. That was the nice price. I'm a little afraid this is the funeral because he's now such a shorter price, but he just looks so good, and he beat a lot of horses that either are in this race or were hoping to come into this race. And the fact that he just outmuscled all of them, um, he's a Southern Hemisphere horse, so their breeding season doesn't start until halfway through the calendar year. So he is still only hitting about the halfway point of his four-year-old season. So you should continue to see some improvement. Joe Talamo has has been reinvigorated since he left California and went to Kentucky. I think everything about this horse works. Paulo Lobo is not a name that we hear that often, but this is a trainer that's won several big races. He's had star horses before. He knows what he's doing. So all of those reasons have me on Ivar. But if, you, if you're against him, especially because of that short price, I could understand. Southern Hemisphere horse. Only magic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, he's, he's the only professional on the show, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got a headset, a working microphone. I'm the only pro over here. I know that. Well, that's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm. Listen, I included Ivar in the uh, multis because of you, Magic. So if that horse runs shitty, blame Magic, uh, not me. Um, one, one. And if he wins, it's it's your. It's me. It's, yeah, it's I picked horse. Yeah, exactly. I picked him. So of course. Yeah, I, that's why I love my job. I'm <laughs> never wrong. I'm never wrong. Um, I one one other question I want to ask because I do from time to time get on Twitter and read things. Uh, I see a lot of people on number four Siskin to win this race. I never considered it. Did I miss something? I mean, I I never. I, yeah, I mean, I guess you shouldn't ask me because I didn't consider this. Uh, we need Slim on here because I think he's the only guy that even included this horse in his top. Okay. Four. I don't. I don't see it personally. Um. Not. I just don't. I watched a few of those last ones, and I don't see how those translate into. I guess maybe the price at uh, international. Yeah, I don't know. Price. Magic. Um. I don't like that he's the, the two times that he's faced older horses because he's three years old. Um. He didn't do that well. Uh. Including last out when he got the firmest surface of his career. That was also the hardest test of his career. Um, was that last out at Longchamp? I mean, Persian King, Pinatubo, both world-class horses. Um, at Circus Maximus was a length ahead of him. He's in here. But that's one thing. If you're not on Circus Maximus, that horse beat this one. I think Circus Maximus is a better miler at this point of their careers. But uh, the trainer, uh, Jer Lyons, the thing with this horse, Lyons had said that he didn't like bringing a three-year-old into the Breeders' Cup. He wanted this horse as a four-year-old, and he thought that will be the perfect time to bring him. He'll be fully mature, fully developed. And then the owner breeder Judmont stepped in and said, he's retiring and we're going to go stand him in Japan in 2021. So there is no four-year-old season. So figure your shit out now. And, and Gary Lyons kind of went, well, I have to go here because this is the last big race that I think he could win. And he was looking for firmer ground. So that's why he ends up here. But I'm not feeling confidence from the trainer. I feel like that you asked me before about class year with the ownership pushing him. I think the ownership pushed this horse to be here. They want to get one last little big push off you know it's the breeders cup literally the breeding world watches this and they're trying to get the japanese folks interested in siskin as a stallion for next year that's a really good answer because i didn't i decided everybody say no and we'd go on to the next race but, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> no the, my answer is no i'm not using yeah, Siskin. No. no but ryan you pick siskin or no no i think that was dan i, I could be <laughs> wrong <laughs> That is a Dan Orr. Yeah. That is a Dan Orr. All right. Let's move on to the Breeders' Cup Distaff. This one may or may not be an easy one to talk about today because it all comes down to are you on Monomoy Girl or are you not? And if you bought the Inside Track Wagering Guide to the Breeders' Cup, you know that answer very well. Everybody's on Monomoy Girl here. So instead of asking who you like, I want to know, create a feasible scenario where she gets beat. Explain to me and to the audience how Monomoy Girl, as the 8-5 to favorite, the 2018 champ, loses this race that's the easiest question you've ever asked swiss skydiver is a better horse that's how she gets beat i mean that's that's all there is to it people are trying to make up a lot of shit in this race with a lot of these other horses this is a two-horse race and swiss skydiver simply may be better that is an absolute chance that could happen and if you know she's better she'll beat her period yeah i mean it's uh it's a matter of knowledge she better but then maybe she you know she just goes to the lead and then this never looks back and then monomoy maybe isn't what she used to be and can't quite get to her and run her down you know but yeah i mean that's that's how she gets beat is just swiss guy is better uh, really i mean the thing that shocked me and, and and not only did 
John picks with Skydiver. Yeah. He didn't even put Monomoy second. And I kind of thought, oh, shit. Like, because uh-huh. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, Monomoy is my top play of the Breeders' Cup. And that, and, and that's, and that's over Golden Powell. And, and, I, and I, I, after seeing that, I was like, uh oh, what, what did I miss here? Um, you know, but I still, I, I don't, I, I just feel like, and you guys talked again, maybe I should listen to Magic Mike more because I did, I did hear some things that I, they agreed with. Um, but, you know, with Monomoy, it's like you haven't seen her really, like, that's one of those you look at, even though two back in the Rufian, she was, they got a big number. But look in the La Train, I mean, that was just, she cruised, you know, and that was just you, one of those you can't take a lot of stock into what, uh, what her number came back as. 97, nothing terrible, but still, it could have been a whole lot higher. Listen, she's just the classiest. I mean, she's a, she's won this race two years ago. She's very, very good. Uh, her career, she's won over $3 million. She's still coming. She's still running. Brad Cox, I mean, have we mentioned Brad Cox a thousand times on this podcast? Yeah. It's just... I just feel like she is coming into this race on fire and ready to kind of erupt. I think Brad has gotten her ready for this race to pop at the right time. You know, one of the knocks on Monomoy Girl that I've heard from from a few people is, you know, she just hasn't faced anybody all year. Well, two races back, she faced Vexatious, who then went and beat Midnight Basu at Saratoga. So it's like, I totally agree. She doesn't have that flash resume, and quite frankly, nobody does, as like Swiss Skydiver. That resume is incredible. And if she wins, she deserves it. I mean, my goodness, what a horse. But I, I just happen to think Monomoy Girl is just a touch better. And uh, yeah, and, and the thing about it is, let's say, let's say, because we kind of have been waiting, will Swiss Skydiver finally kind of regress? You know, will she finally run a, a little bit of a poor race? Well, if that happens, Monomoy Girl is going to win very easily. And conversely, if Monomoy Girl, for whatever reason, throws a clunker, I think Swiss Skydiver is going to win pretty easily. I want to, I want to, I want to mention something real fast from a friend of the podcast, friend of the racing dudes, Jay Pridman. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, she's faced a hundred and one horses in her career, Dude. and she's Monomoy Girl, okay. yeah. and she's beaten a hundred of them. I love that stuff. Is that good? She's faced 101 horses in her career and beating beaten 100 of them. One time in her career, Road to Victory. Which, by the way, guess who picked Road to Victory? <laughs> this guy right That's here. That's right. In the golden rod. Yep. Road. Picked Road to Victory. To beat Monomo Girl. The only time I've ever and, picked. And lost by a neck, by the way, in that race. I mean, a very close race. That race, dude, I'll never forget that race. She rode to victory was that horse. It was like, can she really upset her? And that was in the yeah. uh, at Churchill Downs. And yeah. she had, and, but she went, she was MIA after that, you know. She oh, yeah. was the same. Yeah, yeah. But to, to that point, you know, she did lose, I guess. So she's If you look, like, if you're confused, well, she's lost twice. Well, one was she got DQ'd. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Midnight 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 Beast. Beast. Yeah. yeah. But she got, but, but she won. Done. She won by three that day, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's an amazing stat when you think about 101 horses and she's beaten 100 of them. Yeah. Uh, it just, just goes to say what she's done in her career, how consistent she's been. Uh, Shout out to Jay. Man. Yeah. Well, he's a friend of the podcast. Of course he's bringing it, you know? Hi, so. Jay. He's watching right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I gave credit, right? That's what we have to do, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, yes. Jay Proven, BRF.com. Don't say breaking. If you say breaking news. No, it's not breaking. But no, Monomoy Girl, that's the pick here. I really think she goes off in style here. And, you know, and I've been critical. I'll stop being so critical. 
because I feel like I'm going to eat my words because, you know, everyone's picking Swiss Skydiver now. But I just don't – I still don't get why they're running her here. Um, I never will. Like, even if she wins, I'll be like, I, why didn't you – because that's the thing, right? Well, if she, she wins, goes and wins, like, why did you run the classic? If she wins, it, it even strengthens your opinion. Exactly. Yeah. It's a win-win yeah. for me. Right. Yeah, if she loses, you're like, F- her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's your one. Oh no! I didn't say it. Oh. I didn't say it. Um, right. No, yeah. So yeah, it's, 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 Sorry, I, just, I just don't feel like if she was gonna be good enough, she would run in the class. I feel terrible now. He's got to go edit that out. <laughs> the one thing I have to edit this whole show, Ryan. I want the last question to go to you. 2018 Breeders' Cup. We had a really great time at Churchill Downs. All four of us, but Slim was there. Um, after the Breeders' Cup, you wrote a really epic rap about the experience. It perfectly encapsulated everything that was <laughs> wonderful about that trip. Uh, and part of your rap included Monomoy Girl and a reference to how amazing we all thought she looked in the 2018 Distaff. Do you think that we're going to see a repeat monster effort like we did in 2018? Man, honestly, Swiss Skydiver made me look so stupid on Preakness Day. <laughs> And, and honestly, I wasn't the only one. I thought, why is she in this race? What an idiot. Like, you lost to Art Collector and you're coming here. <laughs> and now she's doing it again. So do I think Monomoy Girl is going to have an epic day to answer your question in a roundabout way? Yeah, I do. But I expect that they must, because of what Jared said about how you're basically facing a moment where you could be one of the greatest Phillies of all time. To come here and face this horse, you better win. You better, <laughs> You better win. Because you have so much to lose not going to that classic. Because, like, say she finishes second there and, like, some random horse wins it. You could be horse of the year. Mm -hmm. So to come here, I'm not going to look stupid again twice. (laughs) I'm not. You must have known something. So you're going to look stupid this time. I'm going to go with Swiss Skydiver to beat her. I'm going to. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm going to. And and I I think the only reason she's here is because she thinks she can do it. Because... Well, Why she not? <laughs> she thinks she can do it, Aaron. Not the trainer. The horse thinks it. He, he asked her where she wanted to run, and she said, "Damn it, he put said me it. in that." No, I, honestly, I'm being I'm being funny about a lot of this, but like, I do think mine and my girl is going to do phenomenal. I don't know what they're doing here, but I'm not going to pick against her either. I feel like if you're going to bet this race, you better put both of them in a box because you 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 cannot. Tell me you for sure know Swiss Skydiver can't do it. And by the way, no matter what happens, I just want to applaud the connections because this has been one of the most historic campaigns by Philly I have ever seen. And I probably ever will. To run in the Preakness, to run in all the dances she did and make it here and possibly beat this horse. Kudos to you, man. Just what a horse. What a phenomenal just Philly. We're seeing something special. Absolutely. Uh, we have two more special races left to see on Breeders' Cup Saturday. Let's look at the Breeders' Cup Longines turf. Aaron, you already tipped your hand uh, when we were talking about the Philly and Mare turf. You and I both absolutely love Tarnawa here. Uh, I'm telling everybody who who asked me anything about some even some people don't ask, go watch Tarnawa's replays. Pick any of the three races she's run this year. Watch them and tell me she can't win this race. That's that's the big reason why I landed on her. Six to one's just the cherry on top. Aaron, why did you love Tarnawa so much? It's all about the girls, man. It's all about the girls for me. I love girls, and I certainly love them in this race. Tarnawa, I'm with you, Magic, all the way. I love this horse. Man, we were gushing over Tarnawa, weren't we? I mean, we just love this horse. So, yeah, I love her, but also you can't you you can't go on without talking about Magical, who is one of the classiest racehorses in the world. I mean, this horse 
dances so many tough races. It just brings it every time. And she certainly can bring it here. And oh, by the way, 2018, we've referenced it a couple of times. Enable and Magical go at it in the turf a couple of years ago at Churchill Downs in one of the more epic races that, that I think you and I and, and Ryan, you were there as well. Uh, Jared, obviously, have ever watched. That was just unbelievable. So anyway, the, the, it's all about the ladies for me in this one. I love Magical and I love Tarnarwa. Personally, Jared, I'm into more of the older ladies and Magical well, kind sure. of leans more towards that. Um, so I, I go in, <laughs> I go in Magic. Uh, I actually went into this race going to pick Magical and I... I just you know you kind of she's one of those that's been you know it, you know, a lot of times we see especially with the, the Phillies and mares they run a big race and and they're and they're just they kind of they're done after that they kind of yeah. empty the tank so to speak and to, to, to be like to say like you went up against enable yeah. and just battled it out and then you still here you're still I mean she's been running ever since you know like it hasn't bad nice since um she's just one of those that you can't depend on as much. And then flip over to the young Philly, right? The younger one. Every once in a while, right? The younger ones. Um, I'll go either way. Yeah. <laughs> Tarna, she has looked unbelievable in these last three races, like Magic uh, alluded to. And just, it's like, how can you go against her here? I mean, she likes a distance. Uh, they're bringing her over. She's a better price than Magical. I mean, shit. I'll take Tarna here. I really like her. I To me, it's a fairly simple race. I mean, you play those two horses mm-hmm. and you move on. I don't. I mean, I like Lord North a little bit, but I just don't know that. I like, that's a horse underneath for me. Um, I, I just think those two are gonna be. It's gonna be. I, I could see it being a similar race that we saw with Enable and Magical, where they just kind of pull away, and then it's like everyone else for third. Aaron, you've talked a little bit about Brad Cox said in pretty much every race that he's got. He's got big contenders in everywhere he's running. Arklo to me looks like the best chance for the Americans, and I think it's a very tall task for any of the American or North American based horses to have a shot against the Euros here. The Euros do tend to win this race uh, more often than not, I believe it's 64% of the times, including nine in the last 12. Last year we saw an American do two Americans get first and second, but that was a very hard, firm Santa Anita turf. Now we're getting to Keeneland. I think it's going to play a little fairer. Does Arklo have a shot in hell or does any North American horse, or is this just going to be a European show? Yeah, I certainly think if any, if an American's going to win, it's going to be Arklo. Uh, so yeah, I, I will just start right there. Uh, listen, does he have a shot in hell? I mean, on paper, he really shouldn't, right? Like he's going to have to run an absolute career best, but could he hit the board? Uh, sure. I, I think there's a chance we could see one of these Europeans win and then Arklo or, you know, channel maker somehow get second at a big price. And then the Europeans third, you know, another Europeans third and he splits them somehow. Um, He's, he's our best hope, in my opinion. But I, at the end of the day, if you if I really had to hammer it home, I don't think I could play like a win wager on our club. Jared, same feeling for you? No. Uh, well, I mean, I don't like our club. Uh, I, like, I like United. I, okay. I, I like if, I'm, if I'm picking an American, I'm picking United. Uh, I, I think our club ran his race last time out. I, I think that, that he trained him up for that race. We talked about about that on the show a little bit, where you know mm-hmm. he kind of mentioned about how he really trained him up hard for that uh, Kentucky uh, Turf Cup there at, at Kentucky Downs, and he was awesome because he knew that he couldn't win this one. Now underneath, I think it could get crazy. Like I, him beating United underneath is not going to be a, a shock to me whatsoever. Um, I liked United. I thought United that last time out. Now you made again. I think maybe I should listen to Magic Mike because another reference. You made a good reference about United does not travel well. 
Um, you know, and so that's, that's a little bit of a factor, but you know, I, I kind of thought that race last time out, he just looked really good. Like he looked better than he had, I thought in the past. And, and that was a really nice performance from him. And I thought, okay, you know, that's one that I can feel like is going to run a pretty good race in the Breeders' Cup been seemingly training well he's he that's the thing oh though like these horses in america are so much below these horses internet coming in internationally i feel like it's gonna take a because you're not just talking like for arco to win tarnala's not gonna have to run magical's not gonna have to run lord north's not gonna have to run i mean you're gonna have to talk about an epic euro disaster in this race in order for one of these horses to get up and win i feel like Yep, I, I listen. This is a race, like I said, sixty-four percent. Nine of the last twelve went to the Euros, and they're back to a course that's probably going to play well to them. So, I, I think that that's. If you wanted to make a case for an American, that Arklow is where I would go. United's looked great as well, and, and anybody who listens to the Magic Mike show knows that I love United, Pratt, and Mandela. So it was hard to leave him off the ticket, but it is what it is, gentlemen. Let's talk about the last race, the one everybody really cares about, and that this year, unlike maybe years in the past, this looks like an epic edition. The Breeders' Cup Classic, I feel like you could make a case for six or seven of these horses to get into the winner's circle. Um, for the Racing Dudes team, it was pretty much split down the middle between Tis the Law or Tom's Day Tot on top, and then probably throw the other one right underneath them here. Uh, talk about Tis the Law, three-year-old coming into this race. He's three to one, second choice just behind Improbable. It looks like the morning line odds maker is thinking a lot of people are going to forgive that Kentucky Derby second, blame it on the track, and play him going into this race. Is that what you're seeing too? Well, once again, if you if you look at Twitter, Tom's Tata is going to be even money, right? Like, I haven't seen one tweet on anybody else but Tom's Tata. It's crazy. Like, it feels like everybody's going to be on him. So to start with that, I think he's going to be a lot lower than that six to one. And so then it kind of becomes a fact of uh, or, or a situation where, okay, if he's taking money and Improbable is the morning line favorite, so you're going to assume he's going to take some money. Is this the law going to be like at that reference your trends that five to one almost price where all of a sudden it's like what a dream yeah right exactly i was michael myers tis the mother bleeping law don't say it you'll get booted no i'm on him let's do it <laughs> let's do it tis the law for me i'm very excited about him i've said it a hundred times if he gets back to that travers race i think there's not a question about whether i don't think there's not a question yeah. in my mind he can win or he will win i should say if he runs his derby race, he's not. But if we can get him back to that Travers performance, he's going to win the race. Um, that being said, this is a very tough race. A lot of ways you can go. Uh, you know, Tom, obviously, with my second pick. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be real honest, though. So I don't like him at three to one. Yeah. You know, I do like him at six to one. So I, we'll see what happens with the odds. I, the more, the closer we get to this race, the more I, this is, Kind of hot take, but the more I'll be surprised if it's not Tizzle or Tom Zutat who wins. Like, I just, the closer we get, I mean, I get, like, I think Improbable and I like Maximum Security and I think uh, Authentic. I mean, that was all horses coming in the race, which all, by the way, have a chance to be horse of the year. That's why this race is just a phenomenal race. Uh, it just seems like everything, Tom Zutat's been training lights out, the back class of Tom Zutat, uh, the Law. I mean, you're really going to, like, Let's be honest. I mean, the horse either didn't like Churchill Downs, got beat by a juiced horse, but well, I guess he's still in the. He's still got to beat another couple of juiced horses. Tough luck, Bob's got three. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard. He's got three in this uh, race, but he's put, racing at a track that maybe he's going to, you know, lean a little more towards uh, Tis the Law. But those prices, 
I just, I mean, it's hard to, you know, like, like you saw said yesterday, it's like, you really going to get six to one on top of the top because he stubbed his toe out of the gate. Um, you know, like that seems hard to believe he's been, he, there's a moment in the, uh, more of the moment, more of the early half of this year. It's like Tom Tatat's going to win the classic. This is his year. Yeah. Now things have obviously changed. He's lightened up as far as racing and improbable's kind of emerged and some of these others like tis the law, but yeah, I mean, to me, this race, I, I think it goes through Tom and, and Tiz. I love these two horses. And, and man, you know, just from a fan standpoint, you know, we'll be there on the finish line watching this race. And just to think, not only does this race have a $6 million purse and it's a classic and it's obviously a major race, but just to think, we have Horse of the Year on the line. And there's a bunch of horses that could win Horse of the Year at this race. So much on the line, more so than just this race. So let me ask you guys, what do you do with the Baffert trio, the tough luck Bob trio that, I mean, Improbable is your favorite at five to two, maximum security seven to two, authentic six to one is, is presenting the best value. And you're, it's crazy that you're getting the Kentucky Derby winner who just barely lost the uh, Preakness stakes in his last start is going to be six to one. So uh, what do you guys do with these Baffert horses and, and can you even trust them to do anything here? Oh, well, tough luck, Bob. I think in this race, for sure, you as a fan, you're rooting for him to finish eighth, ninth, and tenth. But as a, as a better, you have to respect him, right? And maximum security <laughs> with a world of class, uh, you know. So that that right there is the start. Authentics had a great year, you know, especially the last half of the year. And improbable is the morning line favorite. So, uh, to be quite honest, as far as multis go, I played all of them. I, I put all of them in there. Because at times they've all shown races that are good enough to win. Yeah, you definitely don't want to sit here and you let Tough Luck Bob beat you um, in this race, and especially like a horse like Improbable. Who, I mean, if he goes, if Improbable goes and wins this race, he's like the way he's kind of come into form this year is just unbelievable. <laughs> Magic's dead. <laughs> Someone shot Magic, and he's now dead. Like. <laughs> you can hear his bike clinking around like something is something terrible has happened to magic right now no i'm here sorry no i just had to my my microphone cord just got twisted up so no i'm still here <laughs> well your your picture's gone so just so you know we can't... i'm doing that i'm doing the fans a favor here you don't have to stare at me every time okay okay appreciate it um well no <laughs> uh, uh but no improbable horse that just is just they that's, there's been a lot of talk on – you've said Tom's a top. There's been a lot of talk about how good Improbable has looked uh, in the morning. So, you know, it's a horse that always looked good, but he's kind of finally came into his own yeah. um, as far as being who they thought he would all along. This is a horse who ran uh, on the undercard of the Breeders' Cup uh, a few years ago, and and we thought, my gosh, I mean, this is a horse. This is Bob Baffert's next big one. You know, it's the same, same year the game winner won the, the Juvenile or later in that day, but – Obviously, he kind of improbable never really lived up to what that was until recently, until this year. So, I mean, if he wins a classic, it by no means is shocking. Here's uh, a cool, you, you know, you okay. talked about, no, no, uh, you were talking about trends and stuff I, in the last episode of this show. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, here's a trend that could be broken. Uh, no horse over five years old has ever won the Breeders' Cup Classic. It's always, almost been 40 years of the Breeders' Cup Classic now. And you think there, there weren't horses that, sucked that tried i mean zenyatta is like a, a phenomenal racehorse like a legend she was sick she didn't do it then so i mean tom's de tot seven uh and i don't know you know it's just weird i i kind of feel bob's in this lose win strange situation here right 
Say all of his horses don't hit the board here. What is everyone going to say? Well, see, none of them were legit. Say he wins this race. Well, see, he's juicing his horses. Say he finishes second or third, maybe save some faith. Face. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, it's hard for me to see his horses not running well here. I was thinking about how, just how well he got McKenzie to run. That I don't think that horse necessarily wanted to go a mile and a quarter. And he was second in that Breeders' Cup Classic last hmm. year. Um, and he's won three in a row uh, in recent times. I just think some one of these horses is going to show up. And so the, where I'm going with this is authentic. What do you do? I mean, people just got off this horse so quickly. What do you do with him here? He has beaten Tis the Law. He ran really well against Swiss Skydiver, who you, we all feel should have possibly been in this race. What do you do here? Because he's not even mentioned in people's top five right now from what I'm seeing. Hmm. He is definitely the biggest problem of them all because I think you you look at him and you, if you go one by one, you go, okay, improbable. Well, I mean, he's won three straight grade one races, check mark, right? You know, you look at maximum security. Well, I mean, that is a world-class horse, you know? Yeah, maybe who knows how he got to that stature, but, you know, we've seen him be uh, world-class. And then you go to authentic and it's just kind of a little bit of everything, right? Like he's just all over the place. You know, he's, he's losing the, the mule at Santa Anita and the Santa Anita Derby, and he's almost losing the New York traffic. He's ruining a triple crown bid. He's losing to a Philly. I don't know what the hell he is. You know, he is a big problem. I didn't know what to do with him. I think he is a definition of I'll throw him on a ticket if the budget allows it, just just in case. He's a just in case type. Does it, isn't it, correct me if I'm wrong, is it the only time Baffert has won the classic? It's been with three year olds? Correct. That's correct. So this, that's him. By all means, would be his horse, right? Um, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I, that's a good point, um, Ryan, because it's just like, yeah, I just feel like he's like the, you know, you have Maximum Security, who obviously is needs no introduction, and then Probable, who is the favorite, and then it's like, oh, yeah, Authentic's running, too. And it's like, well, wait. I mean, this a lot of years, this would be his best shot to win, you know? Yep. And say, say he won the Preakness. This is where I'm going with this, too. He might be the favorite for this race, and it's like he finished second, and – the horse that beat him is not in this, and he's beaten the horse that a lot of people are picking. But yet, I get all the negative stuff, so it is just kind of going to be interesting to see what people do. If he isn't a mile and a quarter horse, he showed with McKinsey again. He could get a horse to almost do it, but that might not have been. And he also got this horse to win the Kentucky Derby. I know there's a lot of people that doubt that effort, but it's just hard for me to think one of these horses will not show up with a phenomenal effort. I mean, it would be a really bad thing for him, and and. Sometimes you have to handicap a human being's life inside of this, right? Like that would, if some, you know, it's just like in sports, right? It's like everyone's doubting the Patriots and then you just see them and they get back to a Super Bowl. You know, Bob needs a win here or Bob needs a phenomenal performance here. And not just for him, he has a ton of people that are depending on these horses to go to stud and do well. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of fascinating that it's like, if you take the human element into this, all I can say is you cannot, you got to figure out how to handicap Bob Baffert is what I'm getting at here. Well, Ryan, I think most important, importantly, we need to point out, we're all praying for tough luck, Bob, to get a win here. You know, <laughs> we're, we're all very concerned about his legacy. So yeah, I mean, that's what, very well said. Very well said. <laughs> I mean, it, it, Ryan brings us a good point that Bob Baffert, improbable and authentic, both based off of their breeding. You look at it, you go, this city zip horses don't get mile and a quarter. The Intent Mischief doesn't do mile and a quarter. And yet he's been able to do it with these two horses. Um, I want to give you one stat that uh, our friend Vinny from the Real Dynasty Picks uh, guys 
Um, if Tom Zetat wins, Ryan brought up the, the fact of his age, he'd also be the first horse to win the Classic that had been in a mile and a quarter race before that wasn't in a stakes race. The second race of Tom Zetat's career was a mile and a quarter made in special weight, and he's never tried it again until he's going to go right here into this race. So it's a very t- very twisty, turny stat, but the fact that he hasn't gone a mile and a quarter since his second career start in 2016, you throw that in with the age, it's going to take something special out of uh, out of Tom Zeta, but it took something special to be Zenyatta, right? And it can happen in this race. That's quite the odd but interesting stat at the same time. Like in the middle of the stat, I was like, I don't care about this. And then you went on, it's like, yeah, that actually is really interesting. Especially considering the fact that you pointed out when you started, this is an older horse, and that's 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 very interesting. Very, interesting. it's also very interesting to the horse. They, like you know, we've we've talked about about a thousand times about these seven, and the fact that you know, I haven't seen him run him out. He, he just haven't. He's never ran in the Breeders' Cup. Period. You know, like Tom is just never really. He's just never been able to kind of keep a season together. You know, and so he's one of those that I, I believe the biggest kind of. The Pegasus, didn't he? He ran the Pegasus, I think, and yeah, and he finished ninth. I mean, he was uh, well beaten that year. So it's like he's never, he just this year, he's able to like put a bunch of big yeah. grade ones races, grade one, you know, grade one wins uh, together. The horse has one grade one win in yeah, seven the, years. The Clark, yeah, that was it. And then, you know, he probably would have won the Whitney, but still, I mean, who knows? Yeah. And it probably has three grade ones in like a few months. So it's, it's, it's really crazy that, that, we're all kind of gravitating towards and when you look at it in in, in those terms yeah i agree i totally agree and that's someone that's coming from someone that's that's picking them picking them so yeah i mean exactly um i'll make a case for one horse here that nobody's talked about and i'm going to check the guide real quick i don't even think i'm the only person that put him in the top four i'm gonna make a case for global campaign this horse is 20 to 1 which surprised me but um, if you've watched his races this year, he's especially his last two, he's looked very strong. He had to fight back along the rail in the Monmouth Cup after he was going incredibly fast, a lot faster than what they'll go in this race. Somehow fought back along the rail and held off Math Wizard, who was juiced to the max, and, and Bell Harbor, who loves Monmouth Cup or Monmouth Park. Um, and then he goes to the Woodward on Kentucky Derby Day, and it was a very light field. The, the horse that finished second doesn't even belong in this race, but Global campaign looked very strong going gate to wire and nobody noticed because it was the Kentucky Derby day and nobody was even watching Saratoga. So uh, this is a four-year-old Curlin who was developing seems to be at the right time. He had a pretty strong three-year-old season uh, overall and he's 20 to one. He's sitting here really chilly. I know he hasn't beaten anything. Is that what is scaring you guys away from considering global campaign in your top four? For me, yeah, I, I, and you know that I like this horse. Uh, I, you know that that Monmouth race, and then uh, I used him in at Saratoga. But uh, I just don't think, you know, you look at those horses, and now you look at this. It's it's a whole different ball game for him. But look at twenty to one, and I think he's gonna you're gonna get that. I really do. I mean, you could do something dumber, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you could bet you could bet the the rail horse at twenty to one. So yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. Bottom line for me was just, I, honestly, he Tassos wins. I'm just like, well, I'm walking home. Um, if this horse wins, you're just like, you know, damn it, like that is like that's right on the verge of like, I, I see that. I could just saw that. Even it's like that crazy horse, but not absolutely Tassos crazy. But the, what gets me off of him is the fact that he. The horse he beat was Tacitus. Like, it's just like, and I, and I, I mean, so the bottom line is I don't think Tacitus should even be in the race. And I, and so it's like, how do I, how do I pick him? So, yeah, no, it's exactly right. 
All right, guys, uh, we've gone through all 14 races. It's been two hours and, and we've had consistently 30 to 40 people watching live with us. So thank you to everybody who's joining us. Real quick, give me your last final thoughts on the Breeders' Cup as we sign this thing off. Um, me? You want me to go first? Sure. Uh, last final thoughts. Probably, and I talked to John White about this a little bit this morning, probably the one of the more competitive Breeders' Cups from top to bottom that uh, him and I have handicapped, uh, you know, and coming from him, that's really saying something because, you know, he's been around for all of them where, where I haven't seen all of them, but uh, it's top to bottom, uh, extremely, extremely deep uh, uh, fields uh, in most of the races. And like I said, I only, you know, turf sprint and then, uh, you know, I can't remember what was the other one. Oh, the, the turf sprint and the regular sprint I, I, are the only two that I really don't like. Uh, yeah, to, to piggyback off that, you know, months and months ago, I said that this Breeders' Cup had the, the makings to be one of the best we've ever seen. And, and other than the sprint kind of falling apart a little bit, it really is living up to that. And, and considering the year that we've had, um, it's kind of amazing, you know, especially the, you know, knock on wood. Uh, we talked about this yesterday, Halterman and I did. The classic is just really held tight. It's only missing Swiss Skydiver, frankly. Maybe that's where my, my, uh, my <laughs> hatred comes from. But no, I mean, it, it really has everyone all year that's really been, even Tom C. Top, for that matter, the horse that was early in the season, is still making that appearance, you know? So it's like, you kind of have the full rounded, you have the horse of the year on the line for the race. So overall, I just feel like the fact that you have, considering the year, I'll keep saying that, that you have a couple really good three-year-olds in the race, and you've got some really good older horses, and you got horse of the year on the line for all of them. I think that's pretty amazing, considering the year we've had. <laughs> Ryan, what are your last thoughts as we get into this Breeders' Cup, other than your sadness that you and I are not going to be sharing a bedroom together? <laughs> I think that you have to look at this as one of the most exciting Breeders' Cups that we've had in over a decade. I mean, it could be the most exciting Breeders' Cup since the ones in Yada ran in. This is stacked. We have a juvenile that literally you, you can't wrap your mind. Are we about to see a superstar performance from one of these top two horses here? We have a Breeders' Cup distaff where we really could have the best distaff we've seen since Beholder's distaff with Songbird. And we have a classic that will determine horse of the year. It's got everything, but it's 2020. So what can go wrong? Tune in and find out. And <laughs> like Slim said in his article for the, uh, for the guide, it's 2020. Why not throw a little money on Tacitus to win the classic? See what happens. <laughs> Be one way to ruin this Breeders' Cup. Right? Yep, there you go. One <laughs> could go wrong. could go wrong. That's exactly right. Well, unless your name is Vinny Blonde, and then you're uh, then you're going to be co-hosting the Magic Mike Show next week. I already promised him <laughs> that. So, um, no, I want to thank you guys for 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 joining us. Uh, everybody who's watching, if you're watching on the replay or listening th back, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck at the Breeders' Cup. Make sure you go to RaceNews.com. The Inside Track Wagering Guide to the Breeders' Cup is there. The 14 trends to know that we've referenced throughout this entire show, that's available for free to download. So uh, Slim is finally here. I didn't even know Slim was watching. So Slim, <laughs> Slim jumps in right when we talked about Tacitus at the end there. Can I, can um, I, do, one, can I do one quick shout-out before you sign it off? And this is, really, this is really important to uh, Jared and I both. Uh, our good friend Aaron West, who is one of the best guys ever, you know, uh, he wins. He went. He was nominated. What? What exactly was the award? Newcomer of the year. Yeah, through Godolphin. Through Godolphin, like a newcomer of the year in, in horse racing on the on the kind of the back end of the of it, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. Newcomer of the year. He was nominated a few weeks ago. 
He's the winner. He is the newcomer of the year with like a Godolphin uh, award they had. Big shout out to Aaron West. Great guy. Let, let me just put a little bit of, there you go. Yeah. Put a little bit of uh, context to this. You guys say, oh, big deal. Yes. This is a guy, when, when the Racing Dudes was very much in his infancy, this is a guy that came out, reached out to us wanting to do, because he was like us. He just loved horse racing. He's from Arkansas. He had not been around horses, horse racing. It was just, he just loved horse racing. He wanted a piece of something. He wanted to be a part of the industry. We're like, yeah, you know, we, we weren't even paying ourselves. It's like, so we can, you know, we can't like bring anyone on, but like, you know, we help you out any way we can. This is like, so that's, that's essentially what coming from like what we did. We came from, we built a website. We, we are the racing dudes now, but this guy, the fact that Godolphin is crediting this guy as a newcomer of the year and he started from nothing. It's, it's pretty surreal. He showed up in Kentucky a few years ago. I, I don't know how long ago it's been, but it's been a while because he went to school and he graduated from, uh, from Louisville, I think from the Louisville. Uh, uh, like the equine school. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. But anyway, he when he showed up in Kentucky, he had never touched a horse. Not a racehorse, any horse. Wow. He gets a job. He's, he's Mr. Speaker's like groom at Lane's Inn. That's that, you know, he was doing that. And now, and now here he is with his job with Bradley Thoroughbreds as basically their racing operations manager. Uh, this is a this is a guy who who is a hundred percent self made a career in racing. I I freaking respect this guy like crazy. A huge shout out to Aaron West, uh, very deserving of that award. I remember meeting him at, uh, at Churchill Downs at the Breeders' Cup in 2018, and he yeah. was a really nice guy. Slap Slim remembers too. Yeah, he's a really great guy. It, it's always great when someone that's just a really genuinely good person you see them succeed and yeah. in, in, even in the horse racing industry um you know we talk about a lot of the, the good guy trainers that we love to promote and and, and uh, hope that they succeed the, people like aaron you know you don't see his name you don't think about him that often or at all you might have never heard of him before but what he's doing is very crucial um he lets people pet tonalist it's the whole thing just works out really well so congratulations to aaron west i'm glad you brought that up slim can for he can die now because he got that day yeah. you you and as magic as someone knows him very well too like you know, how he, you know he can kind of be slim in his own world you have no idea that slim that day was just in a when he saw Tonalist, he was just done. That's was, the happiest I've ever seen. Is, exactly. And I've seen Slim happy a, a lot. You know? He didn't sleep the night before. No. Because he was so nervous about seeing Tonalist. That's that's a God's honest truth. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that about him. Yeah. All right. Well, because of Aaron West, we got to see all those horses. So there's another shout out. Yeah, for sure. That was that was the year before I went to the Kentucky Derby with you guys, and then I went, and the maximum security got disqualified. So which which person do you think the dudes rather would like to have back at the 2021 Kentucky Derby? Put your answer in the comments below. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world is happening, Ryan? <laughs> Rando, what is happening right now? <laughs> she's, it's freezing in our house and she's got a blanket. <laughs> Just be aware that there's a live podcast happening right now. You got to tune in live or you'll miss it. <laughs> 30 seconds ago, Ryan's dog walked in and I thought yeah. that was cute. And I was going to say something. And then his wife just walked in, but completely covered in a blanket, probably because she she didn't want to be on camera, I'm guessing. I thought you had a ghost. I thought you, I I thought you had a ghost at your house. I thought it was a ghost. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought, oh, I was like, what? I'm like, what is happening right now? What are, are we witnessing something? <laughs> Aaron, there's or Ryan, there's a killer behind you. This is like watching yeah, a horror movie. I'm like, <laughs> I thought Matthew died earlier. I really thought Ryan's about to die there. Um, yeah, so very professional podcast. Funniest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta leave that in, uh, Magic. Oh yeah. Audio, please, because that. Oh yeah. I think that was that's the perfect way to sign off. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there really isn't. There's always something that, that it happens, and I go, and that's how we're ending it. So we're going to end it right there. Um, thank you to everybody once more for for listening, for watching with us. Uh, good luck at the Breeders' Cup. Check out the Inside Track to Adrian Guy the Breeders' Cup. Check out the Magic Mike Show. We did the late pick four, covering the last four races we did here. And above all, good luck. Have fun this weekend. Let's cash some bets, <laughs> gentlemen. Thanks for following along and, and joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see you on the other side. Good luck, guys. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. <laughs>